Hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of BCS Community Connections Podcast. Today on the podcast, I am blessed to have with me two sisters, Edwina Adams, Katrina Smith. You guys know these guys as the owners of Clean Our Cans here in the Bryan College Station area. So we got an opportunity to be able to sit down today and bring them to the table to talk about their business. And there's some real uniqueness number one in your business, number two, just kind of the things behind your business. So want to get off into that and give people an opportunity to really get to learn about you and your business uh, that you're offering services here in the Bryan College Stationery and kind of talk about where y'all been and where you're going as a business as well, too. So first thing we'll start off with, I'll flip it to you, Edwina, first. Uh, let's talk about your background, where you grew up, what brought you here to the Bryan College Stationery. All right. Well, sure. Well, thank you so much for having us oh, here. Absolutely. It's already been a pleasure. Uh, just chatting with you. But um, <clears throat> so where I was born, I was born in California. All right. And we'll hold that against you. <laughs> <laughs> um, our father was uh, 20 years in the in the military. Yep. He was a Navy corpsman, spent a lot of times with the Marines, though. And um, so born in California, lived several different places out there. Um, but honestly, his last duty station was in Corpus Christi. Okay. So that brought us to Texas, and we ended up staying. And I've lived in a number of places in Texas since then, um, Dallas area. And Once then, you got here, it stuck, right? Yes, like, okay. yes. In 2005, I actually came here because at that time, I, I'm married to a wonderful man. Um, my husband's Jason Adams. But, um, but prior to that, I was married. And my ex-husband's job had brought him here. And I eventually came here. But that <clears throat> ended up not being a good situation whatsoever. Gotcha. So that resolved and... Um, I loved the area and was working as a paramedic at the time still and just stayed around and I'm still here. So let's talk about that paramedic part because we kind of just quickly brushed over that. So this was one of those deals in my research that I kind of found unique. So Air Force Reserve. Yes, sir. And flight medic, though, was kind of what I uncovered through all of this. Yes, I initially was uh, a medic okay. and then transitioned to the the aerospace medical field. We worked on um, C-130s, gotcha. was our primary aircraft, and then, uh, but I was also trained to work on like KC-135s, um, which is refueler planes. A right. lot of people don't know those can actually be um, transitioned, and you can put what they call stanchions in them, mm-hmm. and you can stack patience so it's it's, uh if you really need a different aircraft you have ways to convert some yeah and i think i think most people when they think flight medic the first thing that kind of comes there is this little helicopter that takes off from scott and white or whatever or from you know saint joe and it picks somebody up and you're in a helicopter right you're like big operation kind of really functioning in a deal of of is this this isn't like war. Is it war zone operation? It is war Kinda. zone. Okay. A, 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 C, um, one, a C-130 has rockets on it, basically. Yeah. Okay. So it can take off very quickly and can, what they do, they do these maneuvers where they go back and forth really fast to kind of, um, uh, in case there's like gunfire coming from right. the ground. They can also land on, a, even though there's such a big bird, can right. land in amazing situations and in very short runways it's a very cool unique aircraft they have flares on them for potential rocket 
No, they can just they can take off super fast. They're very mobile. Yes, and then they can just like bank really fast. It's a crazy feeling to be on that to do it because you're pulling a couple G's when you're taking off. Yeah, I didn't know that until after they did that the first time. (laughs) They didn't they didn't teach me that. I was like, what? And by the way, there's some patients we're going to need you to take care of while you're doing that as well too. That's that's what I mean. It's super interesting. Now let me get over here to Katrina. So Katrina. Let's talk about your background. Let's talk about where, you know, we kind of know where you were born and raised based over here, unless, you know, you were raised in several households and came back together and we met each other back. Um, So, again, kind of same deal, California, but tell me where your transition went because you also served uh, and you served Naval. So, tell me how that kind of worked for you and where you ended up and what your type, because I was more surprised when I was researching. First, I was surprised just to find all this out in general, but then I found out what you do. And then that really was surprising. So uh, if I'd like to hear kind of where you came from in the Navy part of that and where that structured for you. Sure. Um, After I'd went to graduated high school, we actually moved up to Oklahoma. So that's where I graduated high school. Um, And I enlisted in the Navy. Um, when I was 17, um, I originally wanted to do, um, like computer engineer type stuff. Um, but after I took the ASVAB, they told me about the nuke program and they said, um, you know, because she scored super high. That's why. (laughs) Listen, so uh, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. Okay. Naval nuclear electrician, <laughs> yes, right? Yes. So this isn't like for the guy that's in the back that's sleeping in the classroom and I, yay, I barely got by with a 70. <laughs> you know, these are for the really smart kids that made it out, right? So uh, you won't do, you won't pat yourself on the back here, but we, you know, that's why Dwayne is jump, jumping over like this is the really smart one of the family. So, and, and what's funny mm-hmm. is they told me what sold me on it was they told me it was the second hardest school in the Navy after SEAL school, obviously. Wow. And and it also came with the bonus, which I was 17. And I was like, yes, yes. I will take that. Money. And um, and the, re- the re-enlistment bonuses were unbelievable, like 50000 plus nice. uh, for re-enlisting. And you got rank. Like, I got E3 out of boot camp. I got E4 out of A school. And so um, there were just a lot of pluses to it. But it... On the other side, it was also a lot of really hard work. Sure. Um, my school was two years long, and so my enlistment, my original enlistment was six years. So it was like four years with a two-year extension because of my school. Um, so I did a weird tour. I actually did a couple of years at the Naval Academy. My original intention when I went in was actually to do 20 years. My dad retired. My grandfather also retired from the Navy. Um, and I wanted to be an astronaut, believe it or not. That was my original plan. So, um, and I found out after I got in the Navy that from the nuke program, it is easier to get into the Naval Academy. Mm. Um, so I did a couple years there, um, and decided that that really wasn't what I wanted to do. I didn't want to do 20 years, you know? And so my last duty station was in Everett, Washington, on the USS Abraham Lincoln, uh, it was an aircraft carrier. And, um, so my last two years in the Navy, that's where I was. And so, um, when I got out, um, <laughs> I stayed in Washington and got a good job. I was actually, um, working for an x-ray repair company. Mm. Uh, that was my first job out of the Navy. They were awesome. It was like a really, uh, like a 
small business, yeah. you know. And um, and then uh, my chief from when I was in the Navy, that's how I started working offshore. Um, he got hired on after the uh, Deepwater Horizon blew up in the Gulf. Right. Um, they were looking for people with engineering backgrounds. And so um, my chief had found the job, and they asked him if there was anyone he, he knew who would be interested. So he emailed a bunch of us. And what's funny is, like, my dream job was, like, you know, like a physical-type job working outside, you know. And I, like, couldn't ever come up with anything. And even if I had thought of that, I never would have I never would have pursued it. Right. You know. Um, but he sent us, like, a job description. You, like, worked all over the world. You worked six months out of the year, got paid amazing money. And so I was like, you know, I'll, I'll throw my hat in the ring. You know, I really didn't think I would get hired on, you know, being my size and a woman. And um, I don't think they really wanted to at first. Um, the guy who um, interviewed me, he was like, maybe you'd be better as an electrician, you know. And, you know, going, I had no idea what that <laughs> looked like either. Yeah. And, um, and so, I, you know, I've never been offshore. I don't know what that was like. And, um, but they did end up hiring me. I was the only woman, um, what they called the sub C 100 program. <laughs> and, um, so, um, anyway, so how I got to college station, yeah. <laughs> I was flying from Seattle to Houston to Rio. I was working in Brazil, um, when I first started working offshore and, um, I love Washington. It's beautiful. Not a lot of sunshine, though, <laughs> you know, and I was yeah, raised, like 12 days a year. Or something I was like raised, that. you know, in Texas. And so um, I had come back to visit Edwina in the summertime and, you know, they had Maroon Cab and like we like laid by the pool almost the whole time <laughs> I was here. And I was like, I need to come back here <laughs> and I could cut out five hours of my flight yeah. every month, you know. And so um, I went I went home immediately and told my roommate, like, hey. When I come home next time, I'm moving to Texas. And she was like, what? You know, but, and so that's how I ended up here. I just decided to move here with her. You both you both were military brats, right? I mean, yes. so moving around wasn't really that big a deal. I mean, every military brat. I mean, I, I grew up in San Antonio. There's Air, you know, Randolph, all these other places. There's all these bases there. There's Army bases. There's all this stuff, and it's kind of like the hub, really, when you talk about Texas, about where a lot of the military's at. Military so, USA yeah, is what they call yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> and so our, you know, a lot of my friends, again, military brats and everything else, and, you know, they'd be here for three years, two years, and then they up and move somewhere else. So that was kind of already in your history as, as sisters in that family. I'm curious to know, you both end up in a version of the military, right? Whether that's reserve or whether that's in full active duty. Did you feel pressure from that, from being military kids? Was it just kind of an, it felt natural maybe because you had seen it your entire life and definitely. Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't ever any pressure. Um, Maybe the opposite. I think my mom was like, you're what? (laughs) Why? Oh, this is where we break the cycle right here. Yeah, and with me, like, I think I knew from, like, middle school that I was going to join. Interesting. Like, what's funny is... Were you doing ROTC or anything like that in school? No, I I lived in a tiny town in northwest Oklahoma. They just had the R. They didn't have the OTC part. (laughs) And um, when I turned 17, um, it was the summer before my senior year, 
And um, it's funny because my dad was out of town. My mom was at work. I called a recruiter and I said, you know, I wanted to do computers. And so I called him and left a message and said, look, I know what I want to do. I'm ready to sign up. You know, just give me a call. Yeah. And um, my mom was freaking out because he called me right back and was like, I'm coming over today. You know, and um, what we got like, one. What are you doing? You know, dad's out of town, you know, like, and, um, but I signed up that night and uh, yeah, that's so interesting. Was your dad like super proud? Was he like, was he over there like, yeah, I got another round going in? He, I, or was I don't he kind of like, oh man, I really wanted y'all to do something different? No, I don't think it was like that. I just, um, my main rebellion was being late, like notoriously like that was my thing. And I'm my dad, to my dad told me, my dad told me that I'd never make it in the military because I could never be anywhere on time, you know? Yeah. But, um, but no, he was definitely proud of us. You yeah. know, like there was, I don't think there was any, he was worried at one point I was talking to a national guard recruiter and I was like, absolutely not. Yeah. Like you if know? you're going to commit, let's commit. Yeah. He's yeah. like, no, yeah. we're not. <laughs> what i what i find interesting so first off thank y'all for your service i mean it's one of the things that your business is built on in being veteran-owned business right and really probably i'm not a military brat but i did stay at a holiday and express my time <laughs> so you know in texas texas is one of those states where that veteran-owned deal is a big deal Right. It's one of the deals that we, you know, we pride ourselves as a state of taking care of the veterans, giving them resources and, you know, really making sure that because there's so many parts of our economy here in Texas that are based around those veterans working, whether it's initially in, you know, or we also find us being a major hub of an area where veterans who are looking to transition out going into the private sector this is one of those states where that happens a lot right what is always unique was was in coming back out and then going into the private sector you know most of the people that i know that have done that they're just kind of like it's really weird you know like they're yeah. just sitting over there like you know i i get told what time to get up when to report you know who you know chain of commands really you know it's all structured and i know exactly what i'm supposed to do from sun up to sundown and then you go into the civilian world and you go man y'all are a bunch of lazy guys man like you know yeah. there's no expectation from you guys you know because the the you're always on i mean and it's always kind of ramped up to that level of you know, be your best. We are the best, you know, the, the, the competitiveness, even between the branches of the military, mm-hmm. right? Is there competitive to this there? Like, you know, oh, yeah. Yeah, Air, Force, yeah. Air Force and Navy, you're like, Ugh. you know, do y'all sit down at the football game when they play and you're going, go Air Force. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that competitiveness as well also drives into you know, families where that change may be made. So your dad was in what branch of the military? He Navy. was Navy, right? So you go Air Force? I go Air Force. And yeah, it was kind of weird. I knew nothing about the Air Force. Yeah. And in joining the military kind of seemed out of my capability because yeah. I had a, um, honestly, a an issue with a, a hip that yeah. for years I had been told, well, it was bone on bone. There was zero cartilage mm. there. And I was supposed to have a full hip replacement when I turned 18. 
But somehow, miraculously, all that cartilage grew back, which wow. cartilage does not do that, by the way. Yeah. But um, so fast forward from 18 to I went in, I think I was 23. Um, I had moved to San Antonio briefly mm-hmm. and was at a job, out of a job for like a week. And I can't be bored because I don't know what's going to happen. I might just join the military. But, you know, the Air Force was there. And I thought, you know, I've never checked into the Air Force. But if I'm going to join the military, I've heard that their, you know, their boot camp's a little easier. Maybe if I do still have hip problems, I'll be okay. Yeah. So without telling anybody, I go and I talk to a recruiter. And I walked in. I said, look, don't BS me. I, I've been around the military. I know how you guys work. I want medical. <laughs> yeah. What do you have that's medical? Yeah. And she was like, uh, okay, here's a book. Here's the medical stuff uh, to choose from. And I liked the aeromedical thing. And because uh, even before I was in a flight medic, the, what I was in was still kind of an aerospace medic and medicine right. field. And uh, I was like, yeah, I like this. But I kind of, you know, what do you have that's reserve? Right. So we talked about that, and um, that's how I ended up Air Force Reserve. So I took the ASVAB and went, and then not knowing the year that I went, they had amped up their PT program, so it actually wasn't an easy easy PT program <laughs> yeah. the years that I was there. They the told year you that, that I happened to be there. Yeah. So they had really changed a lot, and uh, but I did fine, and I've been fine ever since. You know, I, and I've... I've always been blessed to have friends and family around me who served in the in the military and in the branches and everything. Uh, in my upbringing, most people don't know us. So I have 40 years in the martial arts, and my instructor is a uh, retired Air Force veteran. And when we were kind of, you know, I started when I was eight obviously. Uh, so I didn't want 40 years to throw y'all out and make y'all think I was like 60 or something like that. <laughs> so, uh, so I started when I was eight and the interesting part there was when I got to that point of like, what am I going to do? I'm being raised by a single mom. It's not like college is we got all this money put aside and everything else. He's like, whatever you do, you're going into the air force. If you do anything, don't <laughs> exactly. go into any of the other, because they treat their people better than any other. But then on the backside of the other ones, the other ones refer to it as, you know, the chair force and you know, all that kind of <laughs> stuff. So I have a, I have a buddy that, you know, is one of my best friends from high school that he's a Colonel. He just got promoted and he's out at the Pentagon, like, the one place you don't want to be when you're in the air force, you, you have to be, but you don't want to be. He has there. a nicer chair then. He does. He has a very nice <laughs> chair. He's always home. I mean, I don't know what you actually do, Charles. I'm not sure exactly <laughs> what's going on there, but, um, I watched him same deal, move his family around very close to them and their family and their, and it amazes me. Like even in the process of moving around, how those guys also are like, when I retire, I really want to retire to England. I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> you want to be in the United States? No, no, it's really nice over here. And, you know, like, they all of these little duty places, they go and, and serve their time, and then they sit there afterwards and go, I'd really like to go back to here. And I'm always shocked to hear that because that's pretty common. Like, they go to beautiful places and, you know, places all around the world and doing their tours and all this stuff, and then... Uh, but it's also this idea of, okay, when I transition out, how do I want to transition out? Do I want to transition out as a lifer in my military role? And then I just go and ride off into the sunset, rocking in my wheel, you know, wheelchair, rocking in my rocking chair <laughs> for some of them in my wheelchair, but you know, they're rocking in their rocking chair, watching the sunset and watching their kids and their grandkids around them. For others, it's 
this is the first part of my life. Now it's time for the second part of my life. And then they transition into the, the either civil service role or then they transition into private. And, you know, again, they get to learn the differences between the two when you have to and when you want to kind of deal. Right. So let's talk about your business. Clean our cans. So veteran owned, and that's really kind of want to spend, I wanted to spend a lot of time there talking about that because it's one thing to say veteran owned, but then when we get to kind of hear what your backgrounds are and what you did, because for me, it's like, okay, veteran owned. Yeah. You probably just kind of went in and did a little of this, a little of that. And, you know, but when you're like, oh no, well, it's just a nuclear you know, engineer, no <laughs> big deal. You know, I was working on planes that were, you know, dodging gunfire and all this other kind of stuff that, you know, it really puts perspective into what it is that you guys have done for your country. And now you come into that private sector of going, okay, well, where can we kind of find our niche here? So curious to hear the start of cleaner cans. I know it was 2014 when you guys started rolling that. So let's talk about how that baby kind of came into existence and what you envisioned when it started. And then let's talk about what you actually do now. Well, sure. I'll, um, I'll take that question. In 2007, my husband had started a, a transportation business here in Bryan and College Station. And early on, the first I think the first month of starting that, he met a guy from the UK. His name was Charlie, and he came over and was at the fire school for a couple of weeks mm-hmm. and used the, con- the transportation service just constantly those two weeks. And um, my husband was a driver, at that time and just got to know Charlie really well. And one day Charlie says to him, Hey man, you should start a trash can cleaning service. And he says this out of the blue. And and Jason was like, no man, why in the world would I ever want to clean a trash can? And uh, he was like, no, you don't understand. It's huge in the UK. They've been doing it there a couple, you know, nearly a couple of decades and people love it. And he described how this automated system and how it flips it upside down and sprays it out and it sanitizes it and people love it. So he was like, actually, that's okay. I kind of get where people would, you know, need that and want that. So he tells me about it. And I had the same reaction. He mentioned trash can (laughs) cleaning. I'm like, who would even pay to clean a trash can? That's silly. Like, that is the stupidest business idea ever. And then he's like, I know. That's what I thought, too. (laughs) And then he tells me how it works. And I just immediately was like, oh my gosh, I want to do that. So let's just keep a hat on that. And um, I don't know, maybe revisit this later. And it was about seven years later that um, we didn't have that business anymore. My husband sold it and he went back to school at A&M and Mm -hmm. um, I was ready to just do something new and still had that idea. So I mentioned it to Katrina and I said, look, I've, you know, had this idea for a while and, you want to partner up with me? And she said yes. <laughs> so, so, so I get Edwina's part. Now I got to figure out like how we get you off of like you know you're in Washington and you're doing all these things and you're in this you know growing field of where I didn't even think I you know like I said earlier I didn't even think I was going to get a chance at all of this stuff. And now she reaches back to you and says, "Hey, I've got a business opportunity." And are you phasing out of the Navy at that point, looking to come in? Are you already in that role at private sector? And how does she get you hooked onto this? Yeah, I had, I had actually been on the Navy 
for a while by that point because I was already working for the offshore drilling company. So you're in for six, you get out, you actually go to the drilling company as a part of private sector. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. And so um, I, I joined more as like a silent partner. Gotcha. You know, like I'm willing to contribute because I believe you can run a business mm. and make something of it. Listen, you, know? you got a big sign-on bonus for your extension. We're going to need some of that. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so um, when we started it, you know, like I said, I was in the middle of a huge project and I was working crazy hours, mm-hmm. seven days a week. And so I really wasn't able to contribute. And then, you know, they moved me to Australia um, at the end of that year after we started. And um, so I really was not contributing anything other than, you know, like money. And, um, <laughs> Which was listen, big. Yeah, yeah listen, that was, that was we, don't put, we don't undervalue that <laughs> part of it. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and honestly, like I wasn't, I wasn't really interested in getting really deeply involved um probably even less so than i should have been you know um do you have that same thought like trash can yeah Yeah. i i never wanted to clean a trash can to be honest somehow i don't think that came up in the study of nuclear electrician (laughs) like this is how we clean a trash can yeah it was not it was not high on my radar um but you know like things just kind of the oil field was kind of took a downturn. Mm-hmm. You know, when you, I moved to Australia, I was supposed to be there like two to four years to do a big project. Um, they ended up canceling my project, I think three months after I got there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I felt like God kind of started getting me ready then. I was, cause I didn't know how long I was going to have my job. You know, I thought I could just get let go anytime, you know? Yeah. Um, I was in projects. They weren't doing projects anymore because right. there's no money for that. Um, and so uh, I started paying off as much of my debt as I could, you know. And, like, um, I quit finally in, I think, August of 2017 was, like, my last um, paycheck from that. Um, but, like, earlier that year, it was, like, God's, like, I'm calling you out, you know, you're going to do something different. And I didn't know, again, it was like only a couple months before I actually quit that they found out Jason got accepted to Wheaton Mm. and that they were moving up there. And so she was like, look, we either, you either have to quit and run the business or, um, there is no business. Yeah. We have to sell it. And so, um, I did. I was that, that was 17. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in 2017, my husband got accepted to a grad school in Chicago, yeah. and um, and I, and I told her, I'm like, look, I know it was never part of the plan for you to <laughs> right. run the business or whatever. Money. So I'm not going to be mad if you don't want to do this. Yeah. Like, I don't want to sell the business. We've yeah. three years in, we have loyal customers. Sure. We had an employee, and things were running. They were growing every year, and um. So it was sad to think of shutting it down. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I really didn't want to hurt the customers. You know, I'm like, we're really going to leave a void for them. And uh, well, there's no other business doing it. I right. mean, that, you know, when you say void, it's not void. It's, you know, nobody's there to even try and pick it up, even if right. that were the case. You would you would be forced. That's that's not a good that's not a good sign when you hear those things. For us, that's where we've made a mistake, just in case you're wondering. Um, so the interesting part of that is 
there's nobody to fill the role. The only way that role gets filled is if you sell it and somebody decides to continue it on. Right. But your, obli- you, your obligation, because that's really kind of what you're describing here, is like you've built this foundation with these customers that have carried you for three years. And I knew most of them. I mean, even though <laughs> yeah. it was like hundreds of them, yeah. I, I knew them all by name. Right. I mean, I had a lot of personal interaction with them. Yeah. Many of them I had met because I cleaned their trash can first. Yeah. And uh, it was just, it ended up being very fun and personal more so than I ever imagined it. And so I going back to me telling her, look, we're moving and it's going to happen pretty soon. And I know this is out of the blue, but either if you want to quit and run the ops here, I'll take all the back end stuff, you know, I'll do because I like the marketing and the bookkeeping and I'm like, I'll do all that. Right. But we just need some oversight here. And I don't know. That's where we're at. And she was like, "Mm, I'll quit. And I was like, (laughs) what? So I told my husband, like, she said she'll quit, but I don't know. I didn't feel like, I didn't feel like that was my best pitch, but you know, (laughs) yeah. well, so, and in Texas, I mean, most people who live in Texas understand like the oil industry is boom and bust, right? I mean, when it's going, it's going great and people are getting rich and they're making probably the biggest money they've made in their lives. Right. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom, dried up. A lot of that all falls around regulations and things like that. And it always seems like we like to ebb and flow through regulations and all that good stuff. So you, you're probably seeing that in the industry, like what you're describing there. Like we were really busy. Like I'm busier than a one-legged man in a butt kicking contest. And now all of a sudden things aren't coming as fast. And yeah, it yeah. was, it was, um, there were like huge cutbacks. I mean, they were cutting people every month, yeah. you know, I actually tried to get them to um to to let me go because then there was like a severance package or with it with it i really did and um but it's funny because when i called them they're like well we're gonna let someone go today and i was like oh okay you know but it was i think it was like a two-month severance so i think it kind of would have evened out i might have even put me a little bit more ahead than just quitting on my own um but my boss refused to Mm. to let me go and so um forced your hand yeah <laughs> yeah so you move and then you come into the business and take it over what was that experience like for you i mean it's already established at that point and then you're walking in literally blind i mean you <laughs> yes. you know what you've been told right but you walk in tell me what that looks like for you and taking over the operation in 17 it was very painful we right. had like a two-week handover high five <laughs> and they were in the middle of packing up yeah. you know and um, I o- had OJT no idea. ride-alongs. This is what I do. Yeah, <laughs> I had this, you know, like grand view of what I thought it would be, and it was nothing <laughs> like that. You know, uh, so much harder than I imagined. Um, and she wasn't even doing the QuickBooks, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm, I'm like from an engineering background. You know, there's all those jokes about engineers not being personable. That's me. Yeah. Like, I was not comfortable talking to customers. Um, and at one point, I finally told her, I'm not doing it anymore. Mm. Like, I can't. Like, I'm so uncomfortable, <laughs> you know. Like, I don't know how to, like, manage this properly. Like, I'm right. going to ruin our business, you yeah. know. Yeah. And um, and I'm, I'm surprised that my sister didn't just give up on me, honestly. <clears throat> like, yeah. there, were, there were so many times that I, like, was barely getting by you know like not just i'm not even talking financially i'm talking like 
emotionally Mentally, yeah, yeah like yeah. i was i was like melting down <laughs> under the pressure you know and i'd been a nuke you know i i worked offshore you know it i'm was all so about crazy. pressure here i yeah. got this yeah but it was just it was just a whole it was like because everything was out of my control right and that was the first time i'd ever been well i was in the military i don't know it was just such a different experience. Well, I'm sure there's probably this personal obligation that kind of goes along with that, that in the military, you know, yeah, we're all a team, but it's we're all, right? You've got all right. these different levels of structure that's around you and everything. You go into the private business now all of a sudden, and it's I'm, I'm imagining that it's, oh, my gosh, my sister has built this, and I don't want to screw this up, but I also don't know that I'm cut out for this. Is that, am, exactly. am I in the right field exactly. here? Yeah. I mean, listen, it's hard. You talk about all the multifaceted sides of running a business, right? And especially running a business now. Like if you ran a business back in the 90s, that business for advertising and all of that stuff looked completely different than it mm-hmm. does now. Right. Like, you know, you took advertisement out in newspapers and on TV and, you know, that kind of stuff. And now like those avenues have, have not evaporated, but they're just not where the majority of potential customers are at. Most of them are all sitting there in some social media format or another. And we'll kind of get in on that and talk about it a little bit. But then when you're not front and center, because in your role in the Navy, it really is kind of like I control what I'm working on, right? right? Like I give you the project that I've been working on and, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to interact as much at least, or the people that you're interacting with all have common base ground. Whereas like we get each other, you know what my job is. I know what your job is. So it's almost kind of like the little mind melding thing between those. Now, all of a sudden it's you and an employee. You'll have one at that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's you and an employee. Here's this really personable business model that's been handed over to you. And now don't screw it up. (laughs) Right. I mean, that's pretty much probably how you're feeling at that. Yeah. So you're in, you're feeling the pressure of, I guess, being outside of a comfort zone. Absolutely. Yeah. I and, was way outside of my comfort zone. And so the, what these phone calls back and forth now are like, when are you coming back? When, you yeah. know, <laughs> do we still have the option to sell the business? You know? I, we actually yeah. did discuss that at one point. And we had somebody who wanted to buy in. Yeah. But, um, but again, it goes back to, you know, uh, it was our employee had quit and it was just, again, it was so much harder than I imagined it being, you know? Um, and so I was like, I don't think I can do it. You know, I think, I think I I really just want to sell the business and do something else, you know? And, but again, it was like, God was like, no, that's not the plan. Not today. And what, what's, what's really crazy is, like, um, a couple years before this, I had heard um, a pastor from, like, Africa or something saying, you know, Americans don't know what it's like to just rely on God. Mm. You know, we have so much prosperity and everything. Yeah. And so um, <laughs> in my not really knowing what I was asking for, I told God, you know, like, I want to know what it's like to just rely on you. And he was like, Girl, I have an opportunity yeah. for you. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, that's just it. I mean, he's going to intervene and 
make a way where you don't see a way, right? Like you're just sitting there going, man, I'm at my wits end here and this is not me. This isn't cut out for me. You know, I thought this is what I wanted to do. I mean, let's, you know, we can talk here as business owners and we can say most people who think of, yeah, I'm going to start my own business. Like we were saying in pre-show, we were sitting there think most people think I get to make my own hours and I get to do what I want to do and I can work when I want to work. And they don't realize everything that goes into that. And especially when it's, when it's, it feels like in your case, it's just you at that point, it, you start feeling that pressure of not only am I supporting myself here with trying to make money in running this business as well, I have this extreme amount of pressure from the person who's been running the day-to-day operations up to this point that I've taken over to not screw this up and to ensure that we're continuing to grow and not like, Hey, uh, Edwin, when you get back, yeah, I still got like three of those customers left that, you know, we had, I just ran all the rest of them off or whatever, because I didn't want to talk to any of them. I mean, what we learned, though, in, in the business aspect of growing these small businesses is, is you start understanding how important it is to get outside of a comfort zone. I think everybody that starts a business is really good at something in the business, but not good at everything in the business. Like you, and then what you tend to do is you tend to go out and find people or surround yourself with people who can mentor you through those things or who can take some of that responsibility away from you in y'all's operation. You're not really built to, you know, let's go hire 10 people and I'll get somebody to do the books and somebody to do the advertising and somebody to run the truck and somebody to run the power washing. And it wasn't built that way. The model wasn't right. set up for that way. So really that all kind of falls back into you. You might be able to bring an individual on who can take some of the physical side away of that, but you still have to be the face right yeah so i'm curious because when i was doing my research on the business and when you know i've I've known about the business for a while but the face of the business is still you right i mean it's still edwina here so i I mean is that by choice is that just by like hey man you're do you look at it as this is your knack and I don't want to be there in the front, but I'm good with doing this part of the business. Exactly. I, I'm not uh, in front of the camera (laughs) kind of person, you know, and she does have a knack for it. You know, she did, um, a lot of marketing learning and stuff and she's good at it, you know? Yeah. And, um, people know who she is. And so I was perfectly happy letting her have that. <laughs> come know? back, please come back. She's like, she actually like asked me like, will you do a video, you know, every now and then, you know, and, um, if she asks, you know, sometimes I'll do something, but it's, it's not really my thing. Well, it's really interesting when we bring people to the table here, I can usually kind of gauge in, in, in pre-show stuff where we're having our conversation of, you know, do I have somebody here that's going to be a real easy just hey man let's get this going to the person that i'm going to probably have to put in a little bit more work as the host here to get something out i've even had the ones that sat at the table go i am scared out of my mind right (laughs) like just just i don't know that this was a good idea and i hate my boss that sent me here you know that kind of stuff for you the one thing that i learned over the years you know was most people would be shocked to find that at one time i was really an introvert and really not an extroverted individual. I tell people all the time, like one of my one of my courses that I took in high school was speech. 
And the first thing you had to do in speech class, you're supposed to get up in front of the entire class and you're supposed to say, I'm Lowell and I like Care Bears. You know, <laughs> you have to tell them all these little things about you and stuff. And I couldn't. I mean, I froze. Now, we're talking about at this time when I'm taking this, I am uh, 14, 13 years old. So you're in those awkward years. But also what most people didn't know, at 12 years old, I was a black belt in martial arts teaching adults in a class that I had to talk and train. And, you know, I was really, I mean, it was one of those deals. Like I had guys that would come into class and like, why is this 12 year old kid teaching me? And I just go, why don't we put some gloves and and gear on real quick? And I'll show you why I'm where I'm at and why you are going to want to listen to what I have to say. And, and what was really interesting, I couldn't make that here transfer into the speech class for me. But what I found over the years was, was you, the reason it didn't resonate with me because it was, I wasn't passionate about it. Right. The things you're passionate about, go all day long talking about that stuff, right? And so, and it's not to insinuate you're not passionate about what it is that you're doing. It's this idea of where do I fit? You know, like in our business model, where do I fit? We have three owners that are in the business here. We all serve a different purpose within the business. And we all know like this one's way better at this. This one's you know much more organized than this one. I mean, we kind of know those little pieces. But as a whole to the business, it's the two of you kind of interlacing those great pieces. Like I'm going to give you marketing and advertising and face, but I'm I'm going to be over here on the operations backside over here going, okay, truck needs to be serviced. This equipment's broken down. You know, right. let me find out what this electrical problem is over here <laughs> down underneath this thing. Yeah. I mean, but it takes that team effort of really finding where your niche is at. That doesn't mean it can't be grown upon because I'm sure today you're probably more comfortable today of having those faces face to face. But I also found I guess that one little tick in the back of your head when you're not good at talking to folks is the idea of going, man, I'm going to say something stupid and they're just going <laughs> to think I'm an idiot, right? I mean, it's you talk yourself into these closets of monsters that don't really even exist right. when you really find out that if you talk about what you're passionate about to people, they really tend to gravitate to you anyway. Like we're sitting here today and we're talking about cleaning a trash can, right? I mean, but you're sitting there going, man, how do we get to this model and how does this become? So 2017, you take it over, you come back. We came back um, during the shutdowns, March of 2020. So you had this thing for three years (laughs) on your own. mm -hmm, Okay. And then it was, y'all came back and then when, tell me what that looked like when both of y'all got back into the model at that point. We were actually excited. I was especially excited about <laughs> I that. I was too. I couldn't wait to get back. Um, but it was it it was good because, like I said, there was a lot of things that I was already had kind of like turned back over to her, right? You know, and so stuff was, that she could do remotely or yes, from the other side or whatever. Yes, yeah. and so not a lot changed as far as the business was run. Mm-hmm. Um, we just were able to do things out in the community like together yeah. now, you know, um, like come to a podcast. Right. Yeah. yeah. I was excited because it was really going to be our first time in the whole history of the business. Six years of it at that point yeah. of us actually working together. Right. Like that's not normally how a company functions, yeah. you know? So I was excited about doing that. And by that point we did kind of know our roles and we knew we were good in those roles. Yeah, so you knew what you were we good at at that come point. Come together and do it together. Right. 
now we can really get this business rolling. Like we've got a good solid foundation and it's just was weird because of how we've gone no, in yeah. and out of town, yeah. you know, sure. And or country, but, um, but it, it all got really weird because we came back in March and then I actually had heart failure, um, at the end of May, 2020. I so saw a June video of 1st. you taking a trip in a, in an ambulance. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. They, um, I walked myself into the ER, drove myself, walked myself in, not knowing I had 15% heart function. Wow. And they were like, how are you even doing this? Yeah. Um, quickly learned I was dying and about to die. And I mean, it was just like horrible what they were telling me. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't respond to the medications. So I nearly crashed. Mm. And I was a civilian paramedic for a long time as well. So I was I think I mentally made myself not pass out completely because I, I mean, I see the crash cart wheeling in. I mean, everything, it was nuts. I'm like, no, this cannot be happening. Yeah. <laughs> and I got a uh, business to run over here. Right. <laughs> and, and two little kids, you know, like yeah. this is not who, and I was very healthy. It was just weird. Yeah. So I thought they had the wrong room when they came in and said, it's actually heart failure. I'm like, no, you, did you need to be next door? Because yeah. <laughs> This is not happening. Yeah, you're like, I'm not even in that wing. Where are you guys right. going to? But, um, yeah, long story short, I go to St. Luke's thinking I'm going to need a new heart. Mm-hmm. And um, I sit here today just finding out this week mm-hmm. that my heart is functioning. Okay, normal heart function is 55 to 70%. Mm-hmm. I'm at 54%. Mm. <clears throat> it's amazing. Somebody's looking out for you in yes, your life. I definitely. mean... You know, legitimately, got, yeah, I've had no. two full I mean, physical healings. Yeah, yeah, that can't be really explained, they right? Can't, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you, you know, God's got God's got to have some more cans cleaned. I'm just saying, man, you're not going anywhere <laughs> know, for a right? while. Yeah, I mean, so so let's talk about the services for the people that don't know. I mean, people who are sitting down listening to this and know what clean our cans are. They kind of know what that already is. Let's walk them through the service of what that looks like from start to finish. Like I'm signing up as a new customer and what does that look like? But I also want to talk about when we're done there, the other services that you have that maybe aren't just front and center. I mean, visibly people see the truck driving around, right? And it's unique. You know, it's not your, it is your average truck, but it's your average truck with a big old piece of equipment on the back of it. So people see it rolling around here. The the crazy part, like in watching the videos of how it operates and works is I think where people are most fascinated at, like when they see it actually do what it does. But let's tell, let's tell our listeners what the business is when we talk about clean our cans and then what that looks like. Or like who wants it? Yeah. Um, well, it's actually sanitizing. So yeah. it's more than just making the trash can look pretty. But um, <clears throat> when we first started, we did have to really educate the community because we were one of the first services in America yeah. at that time. Now there are hundreds, but um, we were literally probably less than a handful in America at the time we started. In 14. Right. Yeah. So um, they now that people kind of understand it's sanitizing, so it's high heat, high pressure, we kill 99.9% of the bacteria, and um, that helps. There's, you know, there are good bacteria, there are bad bacteria, but a trash can, it's smelling because it's bad bacteria, yeah. and it's things like E. coli, salmonella, listeria, and um, they've actually even done studies where when they swab trash can, 
There is something that's called Yersinia pestis many times. That is actually otherwise known as the Black, the black Plague. Mm. But it makes sense because rats carry yeah. Yersinia pestis. Sure. So, um, you know, if, if you have a really nasty trash can that has been cleaned in 20, 30, 40 years, um, which that is the case, <laughs> Brian, the city of Bryan themselves, yeah. the sanitation department said, we have trash cans that are 40 years old. Yeah, they've <laughs> just held up really well over right. the years. Yeah, yeah. and um, those big round ones they have, they, they really are that old. So that's, that's gross, yeah. you know? And um, f- with a medical background, I, I know that the CDC reports that um, <clears throat> salmonella, salmonellosis, you know, upset stomach, mm-hmm. things like that. There are hundreds of thousands of cases a year that people have that just in America. Yeah. Well, how many times are we, gra- and not to say it's always from a trash can, right. but how many times do we legitimately grab the <laughs> trash can, pull it up to the house and then grab our car handle, yeah. or pick up our kid. Or- well, well, listen, I mean, it's, it's that same purpose of going, why do I need my trash can clean? Most people don't need their trash can clean until it smells mm-hmm. or until like, you know, that piece of, of plastic has been stuck to the bottom of my can since my kid was one, you know, I mean, so now maybe it's time to do it. And they view cleaning a trash can as you flip it on its side, you take the power hose and you just push up in there with water and, oh, okay, that's clean. And you put it back. Right. You guys go that step further when we talk about sanitation is, yeah, you're using a water system to clean that out, but the sanitation purpose is the heat to really bring it all the way back around. And it's amazing to see the finished result. I was telling you, you know, I got a neighbor two houses down that when y'all did the first round through his house and he's like calling me going, you got to come down here and look at this thing. And it literally looked like a brand new trash can directly off of a, a production line somewhere that had been dropped down. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, it was crazy. I mean, I'm just, you know, just going on record <laughs> saying, like, it, I mean, it was amazingly clean. And so um, you guys offered that service up. And so if I'm a customer and I'm looking at signing up, I can do that through your website, get on a route because right. y'all are y'all are running routes. Do y'all run routes seven days a week? Is it five days a week? Five. Five days a week. Okay. So, um, and you run these routes and you add these customers to it. But then, like, when they come through, y'all have a lot of interaction with those customers even as you're going through. Like, for some people, it's just, like, out of sight, out of mind. But then when they, you know, if you're if you're my neighbor, my neighbor is, like, standing there watching the process <laughs> while y'all are doing it and yeah. wanting to discuss how amazing it was afterwards. So I'm assuming y'all run into a lot of those customers as well where you get to do that personal one-on-one connection to the customers that sign up with you. Right. And I feel like, you know, um, I told you, God told me I couldn't sell the business. And that's basically what he told me. He's like, I want you to drive the truck, you know, just go out. And I think that's what really started turning the corner for me as far as, you know, it gave me more pride in our business, you know, like being out there and, and having interactions with our customers and like, um, like we have amazing customers, you know, I, one, I never realized how excited people would be about a clean trash can. <laughs> um, but there are like neighborhoods where like the same little kids will run, run out and are so excited to see the truck, you know, and um, people will come out every time I come and they're like, oh, thank you so much, you know, for cleaning my trash can. I've had people give me tips, um, like cookies. bring me drinks <laughs> when it's hot out, cookies, snacks, like, you know, like, yeah. I, so it just, um, it kind of blew my mind, you know, like, 
And because of that, you know, then I started having relationships and it was easier to, you know, answer the phone and have, you know, those conversations. And now um, a lot of times when I'm out, I'll sign people up on the street, you know, and uh, whereas before um, I would kind of avoid people, you know, <laughs> like, but it's just, um, you know, that that is was really one of the big turning points for me was, you know, being out on the truck myself. Do you feel like, I mean, because we've, you know, on the religious side of this, and I always try to say I, I try not to get too religious on the podcast, even though I feel a certain way about all of that personally, uh, which is perfectly fine by me. Sometimes it's not with others, but I've always viewed my connection with God as being, you were here for a reason, right? right. I'm not going to tell you what that reason is. You know, this isn't like a, this is what you're going to do. It's a, it's a push pull. A lot of times push. You know, where it's like, hey, here's what I've got in mind for you. But I'm always mindful to the idea that, especially when it comes to people interaction, I'm always mindful to the idea of God saying, you're here for this reason. And I really, in a lot of cases, like in my head, play that it's one reason, and I don't want to miss it. I don't want to be the one like I'm standing there in front of him and he's going, gosh, dang it, lol, I put you there (laughs) for this one thing and you missed it, right? And so, and it can be simple. It can be as simple as that one interaction that you had with that customer that just starts from, man, that's really cool how you clean the trash can. The next thing you know, you're finding out that this person's struggling, that there's some things that going on in their life and they don't have that outlet, that avenue, and you become that person. Imagine how odd that is that you know katrina the introvert over here who just wants to drive the the truck is potentially the shoulder to somebody that god has pushed toward you to interact with and maybe it is just that exchange an exchange of testifying right i mean both of you have stories where you can feel that push right or you can feel that redemption. You can feel that that the healing. You can feel everything else that kind of comes back as unexplained. You can't explain how you go from this is what I want to do. This is where I saw myself going to never in a million years would it be driving a truck to clean trash cans. And you can't, you know, sit over here and say, you know, how do these things happen physically to me? Allow me to start a business where I can tug my sister away from something that it is that she said she wanted to do. We end up in this family unit, and now we're viewed as this operation that helps people, you know, indirectly. And, you know, because most people think in the terms when you start, you know, when we put the religious umbrella under there, we think of that as helping people directly. Where really, quite honestly, it's probably called and felt more to be serve mm-hmm. right uh, you know yeah i'm getting paid to do this stuff but i really like I, I really feel like i'm serving people in something that they may or may not know that they need but then it also opens all these other doors to those connection points and really it's still in, in its root is still about people it's still about yeah these these cans are just the they're just the little middle ground part of what we do but it's the connections that we can make from having a business that deals in this to be able to put us directly in the paths of people that are going to make us better and that we can potentially make them better and be sounding boards to grow their faith off of those things. Yeah, that's interesting that you bring that up because, again, you know, I told you I was, like, really struggling um, with the business. And even after driving, like, 
I was, I think I was just worn down, sure. you know? And I remember it when I asked, she sent me a, an email and was like, how can I motivate you? Like, what can I do? You know? And I was like, man, if I knew that I would have done it already, <laughs> no. you know? And, and I, I really just had a moment where I was like, God, you asked me to do this. Like you've got to help me because if you don't, like I literally can't make it another day. Mm. And, it, and it was, it may have, I don't know if it was that day or, or that week, but, um, cause I remember she had just sent that to me and I, I hadn't replied yet because I, I didn't know what to say, yeah. you know? And, um, it I think was, it was crazy. a couple days later cause you called me. Yeah. Uh, so I, I was in a discipleship group and, um. Our, our leader had sent out a message and said, you know, like somebody needs prayer, like could anyone who can come, you know, and I was, I was late getting there and I almost <laughs> didn't, I almost didn't go, you know, but I felt like if I didn't go, I was going to miss something, sure. you know, and I was like, okay. And, um, so I went and it ended up just, just being, um, Miss Carmen and her husband and me and, um, Nothing of huge, you know, relevance happened. We we prayed, and as we were walking out, um, you know, I was still in the work truck, still in my work clothes. I probably smelled like hot trash, and um, <laughs> literally, <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. But um, um, you know, one of the the guys who lived there was like, you know, whose truck is that? And Miss Carmen was like, oh, that's you know, it's hers. She owns a business. You know, they're actually looking for someone to drive. And um, and it was a family that was really hurting. Like, none of them had a job, and their car was broken down. Like, it, they were in, like, dire straits, you mm-hmm. know. And um, and so I gave them my business card. I was like, yeah, man, like, hit us up, you know, if you want a job. And um, he didn't end up following through, but it was like, it hit me like this. This is what matters. Right. Like, if we can help people out of their situation like <laughs> i didn't bring any like, i didn't bring any tissue to the table like, just so it what uh, matters you know cause it is yeah. when we went to a business conference they were like find your why like money does not motivate me correct you know if that was it i never would have quit working off yeah and so i was like i have to find like something about this has to matter to yeah. me yeah well and and again it's you know god has this way of working in simple veins that seem so in our world a lot of times just unimportant that it leads you to something in that vein that you go this is crazy like this is just flat crazy that we're even having this discussion based off of where i thought this whole deal was going like why am i here i mean that's you know, everybody wants to serve a purpose, right? You want your life to matter, and you want to make sure that while you're here, what you do matters. You know, it was really important for me. We were talking pre-show about, you know, who I need to be as a dad and who I need to be as a spouse. I come from a broken family. I came from a non-present father. Those things are important to me. The rest of it is all really irrelevant to the point of, like you're saying, the money and everything else. As long as I have my family around me and the friends that I know that support those decisions, I'm good. But in starting the business, I'm imagining that you have more friends and family and support around you now than you probably ever have at any given point where God brought those people into your life through the start of that business. If that business didn't exist, you probably don't have those contacts. And 
you know, some people refer to that as networking, right? Like you network into all of these deals, but they bring people into your life who then have impact and vice versa, that you have impact back the other way. Your story will resonate with someone out there. Your story will be, you know, man, what am I doing? You know, like this, this is, this is crazy. And I'm not where I'm supposed to be. That's probably imagine what it felt like. I'm not where I'm supposed to be. And then that point of I've got to rely and put my faith in a spot here of, of just, I can't do this. Like we all try to make our way. We're just, that's just kind of how people are built. Like I will make this business successful. I will spend the time. I will spend the money. It is all on me to make sure this is successful. But where you see that intervention from God is in the idea of, of when you can step back and go, just point the way. Where where do we go next? Like we're here. Show me where the next one is. And what's crazy is is that's almost always answered. You got to be listening and you got to be watching. But you know when people rely on themselves and they say, "Well, the business is successful because I made it successful," and they don't put that they don't put that relationship in front of that business to go listen my my business is successful because god said this is what's going to happen and i'm just trusting that that he's going to pave that avenue for us and those little doors that open up because here we are now you know when you removed from yourself in 2017 to join the business and here we are four years later and people get stuck in the past the what ifs and what if I'd have never come and joined my sister and just stayed where I was my bank account would probably look a lot better. You know, I I'd be doing stuff that I really wanted to do in the beginning, but then it's also for you coming into a business and, and developing an identity that really doesn't match where you saw the rubber meeting the road. Like I, you know, you come in and you paint your identity for yourself in life Right. Like you just say, like, I'm a hard ass or I'm a I'm a, a really nice guy or I'm whatever. And then you live in that life that you think you again, that you think is important. But then when the push comes the other direction and you start feeling that confliction in your life where you're just going, man, I keep working hard. I don't understand why the money's not there. And you don't realize that, like you've lost your way you've yeah. lost your you've lost your anchor of what it is that really matters at the end of all of this this will be the funny part here at the end of all of this if we make millions and millions of dollars running businesses here in, in the bride college station area that feels good for now right but i can't take it with me yeah and what does it really do like, or do I use that money to make the difference? Do I use my business to make the difference? I don't view our business as a, as a, a business model to get rich. Cause it's not by the way. Uh, <laughs> but I view my business model here as an opportunity for us to create an experience for people to build relationships. And that's really, I mean, I've said time and time again on this show, we're not number one at what we do. We're actually number two in town and I'm perfectly okay with that. I don't want to be number one because number one doesn't focus in that vein. Number one focuses in the entire United States and they got people all over the place and they're bringing all this stuff in and everything. I don't want that. 
I want to be able to know who my customers are. I want to be able to get to learn people as they come in and learn about their business, their family, the things they got going on. So when it, when you walk in with us and you've done business with us, it, it looks like, hey, your kid had a soccer game the other night. What's What was the score? Did they do okay? Are they in the playoffs? It's not, oh, now serving number 35. Step on up to the counter. Let's write your order and let's get you out of here. Right. It's, you know, I've, I had seen that in the movies, you know, the, the small business where everyone's like family. And it really didn't hit home to me, like, how much that was true about our business until her heart failed. Mm. Oh, man. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. But I was hesitant you know, I, a friend of ours had started a GoFundMe. She was a customer of ours, but we had used her as a beautician as well. Um, and, and I was, like, going back and forth about whether I was going to put it on the business page. But, like, people did not even blink no. about donating it. We were just so shocked. Like, yeah. it just, like, skyrocketed. And I was like, man, like, I, I never imagined. Yeah. Like, you know, like, we, I mean... Most of them, like, we don't know personally, you know? Like, I just clean their trash can, you know? But, you know, even to that point, you you think about at a level where we serve people, right? Because really, as business owners, if you really want to find your niche of doing stuff, it really is serving people. It's not, I provide a service. It's, I really want to serve you, your family's needs, your needs that, that... this is something you don't have to worry about. I'll take care of it, well, right? That's in our mission statement. You know, the words humbly serving. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because when you're serving people, I bet y'all didn't think y'all were coming to podcast today. We're going to have some crafts <laughs> no, going on and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I've got some on the other side. I didn't think we were going to need them. Uh, but I think, it's, I think it's imperative for people to know that, and especially, man, I've lived, you guys have lived all over the place. I've lived in a bunch of places. Bryan College Station is really unique. And it's unique from the standpoint that this this community will rise up to meet the needs of people who are in need. They just have to know, right? And then when that happens, you want to believe that the relationships you've built solidify the response, right? Like you were saying, like, we didn't realize this is what was going to happen. But that's relational building of people answering the callback, right? So... When we talk about building the business in our community, the community that we build becomes the safety net almost to a point, right? Like if you're really doing a good job of serving people, the community is not going to let you fail. Right. Which is a great place to, to feel and be, especially when you're in need. And there will probably come a time in most businesses' lives that they're going to face a time of need. COVID 2019 was right. a good opportunity to kind of experience that, you know, and, and, you know, 1920 and 2020 here where businesses had a need, but you also had people that kind of like sheltered themselves in because they're sitting there going, I'm, lo- I'm going to potentially lose my job. I'm going to potentially find myself in a situation that I can't pay my bills. You know, what if my family gets sick? What if I lose a family member to this? You know, it really gave a pause to a lot of us to kind of restructure what we viewed as what's important, what's valuable to us. So imagine this whole deal happens. She takes that trip and that ambulance and, and you're in your old job. 
you know, and now you're sitting there going, I should have done this. Right. And again, that, that backside push that you'll never, you'll never see until you're in the moment. I, you always want to feel valued, right? I think in any role that you take on, you always want to feel valued. I thought when I left after 20 years at Walmart, there was a part of me that wanted to go, this store will fall apart, man, because they don't <laughs> have any. They need me. And quite honestly, what happened at the tail end is when I walked away from the company after 20 years, it didn't bat an eye. They had a store manager in there next week. Right. Like, well, see you later. Have a nice life, you know. <laughs> but then where I realized that my impact was wasn't at Walmart. My impact was at the people that were in those four walls. So then when I leave, I still have relationships with those people. We still talk to, to daily in some cases to some of those folks who are out there going, man, we miss you. And But I also realized something that was really important. I didn't want my eulogy to be something like, he's a really good boss. That sucks. Who wants that on their <laughs> eulogy? I don't want to know how hard a worker I was or you know how great a boss I was or whatever. I want people to say that I was a valued friend, that I was there when they needed me, that I was a voice of reason, that I was a help when, when they were at their lowest point. That's what people want to build out of that business. They don't want to build out of the business that... Oh, it really sucks that Edwina didn't make it. Now my can's never going to get clean again. I mean, that's not the that's not the eulogy. The eulogy for us is the impact. And so when you go to work daily and realize that this is more than just this can that I pick up and clean, that I'm building relationships here that matter, and that people recognize that, and that when the help is needed, when there's a call to action, that people are there for me, man, it makes it really difficult. When you see a GoFundMe account climbing up here for people that you don't even know that are contributing back in, that you're just going, what I do does matter. And it yeah. just doesn't matter in the realm that I thought it mattered in. It mattered differently. The same deal for me. Like I wanted it to matter for Walmart. That's what I wanted. But that wasn't where it it laid. It laid in the people that were there and being the impact for those folks. Man, we have yeah, we have testified, people. <laughs> right. We have got Amen. some testifying <laughs> going on up in here. There's, All right. there's a quote by Zig Ziglar that I love, and and I feel like it really came to life in that. And it's you know you can get what you want if you can help enough other people get what they want. Absolutely, and those you know? those avenues are in they're structured in networking. But not networking in the way we think business networking, right? It's people networking. It's, it's I'm doing this because I, yeah, I really want to know who I'm interacting with. Not just, man, how much money are these guys going to spend with us? Because if they're not going to spend a lot of money, I'm not going to spend a lot of time. Time is of value to everybody. We don't put, we don't put a, you don't sit there and look at a monetary price on the time that you invest, right? We do that when we look at a P&L. And when we're looking at a business and we go, gosh, dog, I'm working 80 hours a week and I'm in the negative. How did this work at the end of this month? Um, but when you invest in the people, the P&L is at the end of everything. Yeah. You, can't, you can't open it on a weekly, monthly basis and look at it. God will, will straighten up your P&L when you get there and, <laughs> exactly. and let you know. You know, and even as we've grown, you know, before I said I, even though it was several hundred, I would know the people because I would communicate with them. Right. Or, just knew who they were when they signed up, just got to know them after they signed up. But um, as we've grown, we still do good communication with people. So mm -hmm. like she said, when my heart failed, even though there were many of them that had been customers for years, we've never met personally. 
um, it, it was just amazing because they they felt like a part of our family. Yeah. Just. Yeah, remotely. Of I our mean, yeah. Natural. Yeah, the way we do business. Yeah. You know, it, it it was amazing. So we got way off of services yeah. there. Let's talk <laughs> about other services other than cleaning trash cans that you guys offer. There were a couple that y'all brought up. One that I wasn't even aware of. Uh, but let's go power washing. That's another thing you guys offer up, right? You're like, we do. Um, not really like house washing or roof cleaning. Um, I mean, we could get into that if we wanted to. Um, we've had people ask us and mentors say, why don't you do it? But they're, they're out there. So if you need some people, we can recommend some great people to do that. But we do have the capability. We know how. We have amazing equipment. We can do, uh, and we're happy to do like driveways, walkways, right. patios, things like that. Um, it's stuff that helps us fill our schedule mm-hmm. in times that we're not able to do trash can cleaning just because of how the routes work. So it helps us stay um, cash flow positive. Yeah. No. <laughs> and uh, so we really appreciate if people would give us the opportunity to quote something if they have a need. And like I said, if it's out of our wheelhouse or... Uh, then we are happy to refer that on to some great. You guys pivoted during COVID. We were kind of talking about, and again, it, it had slipped out of my mind until you mentioned it in pre-show where during COVID you guys were offering services of sanitizing shopping carts for businesses and things like that. Again, something yeah. we never thought about until we reach, you know, COVID errors. And, you know, then all of a sudden nobody wants to touch anything without either having the gloves on or having, you know, 15 sanitary wipes to wipe yeah. everything down. Right. And then you guys kind of meet at the forefront of that, of sitting there going, listen, this is one other service we can offer. We already have the equipment, so let's just, you know, recommend it up. Say, hey, if you want, this is what we can do. Yeah, it it was nice to be able to do that. There were people were so fearful in the beginning, especially the elderly community, uh, immune suppressed. And I didn't know at that time I was in that boat or about to be in that boat, but uh um, you know, it was a real, real concern and you've got to go grocery shopping, you know. So we thought, why don't we just help out? And we offered to do it for free for that, that first month. And, um, we're able to get that done at a few places. Um, I honestly think, um, I don't know if we put that in their minds because then they all started, they're like, Oh, that's, we should be sanitizing these. And then they all started the grocery stores and stuff started doing that regularly which is great I'm yeah glad they did yeah so. you see them with their little backpacks on their spraying stuff down and doing all that or yeah. quit you know because when we called they were like oh my gosh yes we do need to be doing yeah. that and o- operations now are purchasing things where it's you know quick spray quick dry mm-hmm. you know we right. do it at the church as well too it's the same deal like in between services fumigate everything <laughs> and then you know get it back to normal for people that they know that we're doing those um in the business, and we talked a lot about you know rising to the occasion to serve people, and then those people rising to the occasion to serve you when you needed it. What do you feel y'all do to personalize your business? Like, what what is it that would set you apart? So if if one day you know you got clean our cans that has grown in the community now for going on seven years, and now all of a sudden it's. Uh, I don't know, wash a can shows up as the next, you know, competing business. What do you guys feel that y'all do that personalizes yourself in that industry that, that, you know, people are going to go, no, 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 this is where you want to stay at. Even though there's other businesses that are coming or there's other people that are knocking it off, or maybe it's just the fly by night deals of, of people who, yeah, I can make a quick buck here on the side. It becomes a hobby for them instead of really becoming a business. 
What do you guys feel that y'all do that really personalizes that service with your customers? Yeah, well, that's that's easy, actually, because um, it, it comes from a, a real place with us. We are both giving people. So our communication is top-notch. We stay on top of that because that's how I would want to be True. treated. You know, if I had regularly scheduled anything, I would want to know when are you coming again and, you know, things like this. So we ha- people are really appreciative of that. Um, when I draft emails and communication, I'm just, uh, it's, it's professional, right. but it's like, I'm talking to my grandma. Yeah. That's what the way I think of it. Like how would I want my grandma to receive this? So, um, I think that really comes through in the words. Um, and then we do follow up. We're really good with follow up. They immediately know that when they're trash can has been cleaned we also ask them every single time do you like it do you not like it kind of a thing you know and if there is a problem then we follow up right away and we say what happened how can we fix this and and we really want to do that so we try to get ahead of that because nobody's 100 percent perfect um we're pretty close (laughs) we try our best listen five out of five on facebook five out of five on google yeah y'all are pretty good (laughs) thank you but um but you know problems can arise or maybe something happened we wouldn't otherwise know so we all and we also communicate that we do want to know it's not one of those like don't really tell me because i'm not going to really care i really want need to know and i want to know is there a problem so we can help this. Well, you, you know, I tell people all the time, I can't fix what I don't know, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's really a value in a, in a, oh man, this will be potentially an unpopular statement. In a world of social media warriors who feel injustice and feel that that's the first place they have to take their complaint to instead of to the business, it doesn't serve purpose, right? It may make you feel good. And your feel good moment is I'm going to just blister this company who did this to me. Where in reality, most of those companies don't know, like the, the leadership in those businesses don't have a clue as to what happened. Then you see that knee jerk reaction on the backside of those statements where somebody's going, Hey, could you contact us? Or we'd love to talk to you about it or whatever. Same deal in those Facebook, you know, posts and, and reviews and, and Google and everything else. If you get a bad one, you, you're always, especially if you're used to all good ones and all of a sudden a bad one shows up in there, you're like, I want to know what happened. Like, Mm -hmm. please tell me what we did that created this opinion for you because we, number one, don't want that to be the situation. And number two, if it's something that we are doing or that we didn't do, let us fix that for you so that we can show you that we're committed to running a five out of five company, not a 4.8 or a 4.9 out of five company, you know, that you set that industry standard for yourself as a business. But I'm always frustrated that we get to hear about it after like the bombs exploded. And then it's like, okay, let me go find these 15 pieces that I got to go find to put this back together. Whereas a lot of the times, if our customers just take the effort of just saying, Hey, I had an experience that didn't feel real good and I just want to make you aware of it, then right. we have that immediate knee-jerk reaction to fix that. And in a lot of cases, what most people don't realize either is it may be a policy change that happens in a business. It may be something that yeah, this has never happened until right now and we didn't see that. So let's fix this by changing the way we do it so that it doesn't happen again. Yeah, right. Yeah. Another thing we do, um, Lowell, is uh, we're both... I think our love language is uh, gift giving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we like to do that with our customers. As a matter of fact, um, there's a, on our sign up form, we even ask, what is your favorite snack? 
Yeah, because nice. we just may randomly give you something. It's and a that, little insight to people. Yeah, that know they're not going to put it inside your trash can in case you're wondering. <laughs> <laughs> well, it will Although be clean it's perfectly clean, <laughs> you know, look inside your trash can for your Snickers. favorite item. Yeah, yeah. I think that, you know, in the business world of, of what it is, first off, we talked about the uniqueness of, number one, having sisters. Number two, having females. Number three, having veteran-owned. And then getting to hear, like, this wasn't like a, a brainstorm, like, we were both sitting around the table and said, this is what we need to do. You know, I mean, having somebody else reference in a point and you go you know what that doesn't exist here meeting a need that really isn't a need that most people think they need right. until you get them to realize hey you need it you right. know or that when they do it like we were we were talking about during covid did you guys see that decrease of of business where people were trying to shore up maybe some of their their bills and you know where can i save some money at you said that that really never kind of materialized for you. It didn't yeah. really drop off. People's like, this is something that can't go right. away. I'm, we totally expected a lot of that. Right. Um, and there's been very little. Yeah. I mean, it may be just a handful. Yeah. I mean, for people who've gone through and, and really broke down their personal budgets on stuff, they start finding like, oh, that Coke a day really kind of adds up or whatever. But <laughs> then you also see in those people's lives where they're sitting there going, listen, I can't give this up. Like there are certain things that are just not up for discussion and that looks different for different people. Mm -hmm. But a person who's never had their can sanitized and completely cleaned out and see what it looks like. And then think like what we were talking about, how much bacteria can potentially be on there. I have my, you know, seven year old run out to the, to the curb, grab the trash can, bring it back up. And of course they're dirty little rugrats. They don't clean their hands before <laughs> they come inside and grab the snacks and start throwing them down right. their mouth and everything. It, it, it's not, one of those things that we tend to think about as being something potential but then you also look at it and go it was a service that i needed that i didn't know i needed and that's really kind of where you all rose to the occasion to meet a demand of service that again it's kind of like it's kind of like wearing a mask right i mean <laughs> we didn't need it until we needed it kind of deal and now then it went from i just need a mask to I need a mask that has nice little blingy little things on <laughs> there that spell my, my name, right? yeah, yeah, spell my name out, you know, do all this other stuff. I mean, everybody rises to the occasion of where the customer it is. So in saying that and talking about your 2020 and then moving to 2021 now, and there's still not being a lot of clarity in where we're going to eventually end up 2021. We know that vaccines are now out in the public and they're starting to see that kind of move in. What do you guys see for the future of Clean Our Kansas? Are there things that you guys and y'all's little private talks have kind of sat out there and go, man, where's where's a place? Because I think every business always wants to go, where can we grow next? Or what's a service we can implement in? Because some of these services you guys didn't offer in the beginning. I mean, do you want to talk about the concierge thing? Or, yeah, we can I mean, talk about the concierge. We've had that a couple of years now. I mostly just advertise that to current customers. Yeah. Um, it's not on our website, but once you're a customer, you kind of find out we do this. Um, and it was beneficial pre-COVID with a lot of business travelers and things like that. But right. if you find yourself out of town on, on a holiday or vacation or business, mm. or God forbid you're in the hospital and you didn't yeah. know, we've actually had that happen to people. They broke a leg, went in the hospital, and they're like, tomorrow's my trash day. <laughs> it's yeah. full. Will you go get it, put it out the curb, 
Well, we offer. We say, hey, we can go get this for you, yeah. put it out at the curb, and um, when it's done being collected, we'll roll it back up. Yeah. And then you're not getting an HOA fine just because you're out of town or in the hospital. So um, people found that very beneficial and used it. We've had property management companies mm. use us and in, in bulk. You right. know, they had a lot of properties. They would um, have us go help with that and, um, and then the power washing. So. so anything on the horizon? Things you all kind of tossed around a little bit? We could definitely use see? a second vehicle. We're just budget-wise, we can get away with the one, and we would love to add a second one. Because y'all are servicing College Station and Bryan. It's right, not like right. y'all are just in one location. And right. so when y'all lay out your map for how you've got a service, are y'all running that? Because garbage is weekly. You know, right. so and y'all also do recycle cans as well, too. So that's bi-weekly and for most people. And so as you're mapping all of this stuff out, you got to map it out. Like, let's go do, you know, Pebble Creek over here. We'll go do Copperfield over here. I mean, that doesn't make any sense, obviously, in your in your map design, especially when you're a one-truck operation right now. So second truck coming, services that you see that you may be, I don't no, want to put you on the spot It would be the here. same services. It would just logistically help us a lot because yeah. it is hardworking to the two cities with the one. I yeah. mean, we're, we're making it happen, um, but it would be a lot easier. <laughs> and I think our visibility would be better as well, which would organically help with more growth. So this is going to bring me around to the next piece. And I know you actually did, the reason I found out about this, you did a, because we were talking about advertising and, and you know, who handles advertising, who handles the marketing piece of and everything. You did a, an email, or not an email, you did a Facebook, was it Facebook Live? I think it was Facebook Live. Where you went on and you talked about, here's some things for advertising to keep in mind when you're oh, using yes. social media. I told you, I did a lot of research. <laughs> that re- that research for me happened to be when I actually came down with COVID and was just sitting in a house right. quarantined up, didn't have anything to do. And I'm like, I really want to watch this. And you had a lot of good information that was in there about how businesses can utilize social media, but some things they needed to know. Like when they go and they post messages and kind of the ins and outs of all of that stuff. In the advertising part of your business and what you guys do to let people know the services that you do create, what's been the hurdles that you've found in letting people know that we do offer this service in town? Where did you feel like when you were advertising it that it was the most value to you? Like you got the most results from people. I, I, I can... I can already see the idea that the truck's rolling around, right? Because then you're going, what the heck is that? And then if somebody actually physically sees it happen and kind of puts it all together, that part I get. So, but outside of that, where do you feel that that has failed you and met the needs of getting new customers in? Um, As far as what's worked the best, it has been social media because people can see, they can see a a visual before and after or the truck in action, things like that. So those have been the best historically, the whole, or consistently. Um, Where What has not worked for us, and we love to do it, but it just doesn't, there's been zero payoff, it seems, is um, like... uh, the bombers, you know, we, oh, we, yeah. we kind of put money mm-hmm. into sponsoring that yeah. and different things yeah. uh, because we would love to legit, legitimately do that, but it's just not for us yeah. and that's okay. So, um, but 
um, it's more things that are just in your face while you're sitting there, like you're looking at the truck or a yard sign or something like that. So the social media piece, the, the thing that's amazed me the most in having to try and grow that part is, is man, without a doubt, a video on there as opposed to anything else. People, for whatever reason, are, are infatuated with video. Like, like they're scrolling through. They see pictures, like especially if you're on Instagram or something like that. They see the pictures or they see the wording. But, man, when something starts moving on there, then all of a sudden it's like, wait, what was that? They back that up. You know, so it's a video of the truck actually washing the can. And then they're like, oh, I didn't even know that existed, you know. But then those other avenues that you were talking about bombers being one of them we can relate to that because we've kind of gone where's the next thing that we can do that will garner the biggest response yeah and i was going to say i could see something like the bombers being great for you because you're a location people can walk into that you could give them something tangible and then they could walk into your facility we don't operate like I, that. I appreciate we you bringing up the bombers because we actually do the goods for the bombers oh, and awesome. all that stuff. So yeah, they're it works, fun. Yeah, it works I mean, out well for us. And, and those avenues work great. We've gotten into things that we thought, we thought, well, that's a that's unique. You know, um, oh, what was the one when we started? It was uh, Pocket Points. Pocket Points was a deal. I don't even know if it exists anymore. But it was a deal where, you know, students could get points by you know, keeping their phone closed between certain times and, you know, they garnered these points and then these points could be redeemed. And it really, what we found out fairly quickly was it worked really well for restaurants. Didn't work as great for saying, Hey, come in and get you a a Texas A&M shirt, you know, or something like that. Didn't, didn't work that well. Um, but I can imagine a lot of advertising for most businesses is throw it at the wall and see what sticks. A lot of the times they throw a lot of money at the wall and there's not a lot of stickiness that happens on the wall. Yeah, we had, we did TV advertising when Mm -hmm. we first started and that was again, you know, she was out of the country and I had two very small children and a husband that was in school full time. So it was really hard to get out and do a lot of stuff. So we did TV which was great. They were good commercials. Um, we did get customers from it, but they were spread out all over instead mm. of us trying to concentrate and grow like little neighborhoods yeah. at a time, yeah. which is really what we should have done. But again, it was hard for me to just get out regularly and um, consistently. Yeah. So, you know, you like you said, you do what you do and see what works. And So I noticed like when y'all finish a can, when you, at least when you started, you were putting stickers on cans, right? Do y'all do, do y'all like drive around and like... Tag some, <laughs> tag some cans for people who aren't doing it, just so when we they do roll have out. Flyers, okay. yes. I just wasn't sure. I mean, you know how those, you know, the underground, you know, guys, they go around and slap their stickers up everywhere. You know, like people are like, oh, there's a cute code on there. Let me scan that and well, see what that's all about. If you've had your your can clean, then you get a sticker that says sanitize. Right. Clean our can. Yeah. I just didn't know, like, because the, the, I'm trying to, you're, you're very, you're a very specific service. That has to find, I mean, but everybody has a trash can, right? If it's not, if I live in an apartment complex, I don't have a trash can, but the apartment complex has a dumpster. Now, granted, y'all can't pick this dumpster up and sanitize it. (laughs) But, you know, in the avenue of having, whether it's a house or rental or whatever, that there's, there's a can somewhere in there that makes it out to the street. So while there's tons of, of customers, potential customers out there, reaching back to those guys looks a lot different. If I'm trying to reach the 70 plus year olds, well, you know, let me do a TikTok over here and try and figure <laughs> out if uh, yeah, I can get some business off of that. You're not getting that. Cause we, yeah. we, we, 
we like to look into things to see is it viable but then we always look at the metrics of it to go okay is the 18 to 25 year olds our customer probably not you know it doesn't mean that we don't need those people and and that we wouldn't appreciate them but you know when i put out the podcast the podcast is a good example of that my lowest demographics for podcasts is 18 to 25 why because I'm an old man over here talking <laughs> business, you know. I mean, these guys are over there like, oh, man, come on. Where's Miley Cyrus's podcast at or something, you know? I mean, uh, but where our niche is at is more so in that 30 to 45, maybe even up into the 50 range. But that's our customer also. So when you start looking at where those metrics hit at, it, it fits, you know, with where it's at. So it's kind of the same deal. If I'm a... If I'm a brand new couple with a baby that just got my first job and, you know, I'm I'm trying to buy my first house and everything else, I can imagine like, you know, I'll clean my own can, you know, but it's also I have six kids, you know, I'm in my mid thirties and forties and fifties now, or I'm older and you're scaring the mess out of me with talking all this COVID stuff and I need you to clean the COVID off my can and so, you know, that kind of deal. You know, it's finding that avenue and then finding what part of that avenue works. The 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 sucky part about it is is social media is not it's not designed to be real helpful. I mean, it's there mm-hmm. and it serves a purpose, but it serves a purpose of monetizing, right? Right. You get a lot more traction the more money you throw at. The, yeah, it's definitely the, harder these days oh, yeah. compared to 2014. You yeah. could post something and everybody that followed you saw it. Yeah. Now, it's really gotten bad this past year. It so. has. And where it was, like, you could do a giveaway. Like, you could go on there and say, hey, enter to win a chance to sanitize your trash can for a year. Right? right. And, and we would do the same. thing. Like, we grew our biggest numbers by going by giving stuff away. People love things being given away and people really loved us giving away ultra boost that was like the adidas ultra boost deal was boom it was it you know i think in one day when we released that we had something like 400 people joined our page in one day but then all of a sudden you know the people at facebook are over there like we need to monetize these 400 people that just came through here for nothing and and joined up here so now if you put it on there you get a little kickback that says you had these words in there and we don't allow these words and <laughs> exactly. you know, you've got to, you've got to now pay us to do these things. So, you know, we're in a market where even your video of talking about things that you can be doing in the social media world that that's helpful and how to grow your audience and get more audience engagement and everything else. You know, I sat there and watched that. This was, this was right after, you know, so when I was all quarantined up, man, I managed to watch. It's going to be terrible. I watched all eight seasons of Game of Thrones oh in the entire time that That's I was quarantined. It, it is. I think I figured it some like 80 hours of watching time. Uh, but I managed to get your video in there as a part of that. You know, so I, I prioritized a little bit. But the value of your video was important to be able to just think about some things a little bit differently, see it a little bit differently. It's not the be all to end all, obviously. We, right. we, you know, you're like, listen, I, yeah, I, I clean cans and, you know, I do a little bit of marketing, but, you know, I mean, it's, it's these people that are in the business of helping marketing and advertising. I mean, those guys, that's a full time plus role to keep up with just the changes that happen each week yeah. in these social media standards. And then where do you find your social media 
platforms to be best serving to your business. Like for us, it's Facebook first, then Instagram, and then out past that, we kind of just don't even really kind of try real hard. I mean, we got a Twitter account, but you know, I, I'm old, so I look at Twitter <laughs> as my news source and quickly finding things out and all that stuff in the Twitterverse. Uh, but we tried TikTok for a quick, quick second. I think we only have one video posted on 30 there. seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a quick 30 seconds. And, uh, and, but also we quickly realized like at that time when we were doing TikTok, it wasn't like what you see today. It was all the kids in school that had it. And again, we're like, who am I making a video for? Am I making a video for, for the, my customers or just, you know, for somebody to go boomer and, you know, they just keep kind of like scrolling through it or whatever. Um, so that that really for business models for people is the the challenge and y'all's is even more specialized so and then you've got all these other things on the horizon you know now it's parlor and well, what was the other one somebody told me clubhouse the other day uh, and you apparently know. have to be invited to clubhouse so i mean i'm not even that <laughs> I cool the invite. I <laughs> nobody if you're out there on clubhouse you want to send me an invite or edwina or katrina send us an invite you know <laughs> But apparently you can't just go and join it. You got to be invited. And, and, but in our world also, when we talk about networking, networking for us as a business falls into like LinkedIn and some more professional, you know, professional avenues for us. I know we, we talked about before we came on here of joining Facebook pages. Uh, you know, I've touted time and time again on these podcasts, Jim Ross and his page for, uh, especially during COVID, uh, which it still continues today, but Jim Ross was really for us like a, a resource page more so than a networking page. It was more of like a resource, like real time stuff coming up. Here's what's coming up on city council. Here's what's coming up, you know, on this agenda meeting. Here's what just got passed. Here's what's potentially going to happen this Wednesday. And in a world where we didn't know what was going to happen from day to day back in March and April. And, you know, like we said, it, it was supposed to be two weeks and it was four weeks. And <laughs> now it's 13 years later, you know? And so uh, that those avenues of resource become really important for businesses in town in general. Like, you know, an ice storm for you guys. We were talking before we sat down here and the ice storm comes through. I mean, that's a week y'all can't run, right? right? Because nobody else is running. They're not dumping trash. They're not, you know, dumping recycle. And so you guys on a fly have to turn back around and, and go, okay, well, they're going to be behind. We're going to have to revamp and change our schedule around. And, and again, it was something when we sat down here, I didn't think about, I thought my, my recycle didn't get empty this week. And I was a little upset about <laughs> that, but I mean, in y'all's world, that's business impact, yeah. right? Yes. That you got to now turn and change. Right. So, the service that you guys continue to bring to town and that you you pride yourself on on 5.5s, I mean, 5.5, 5.0s at Facebook, at Google, and the people who rave about you, is that really where you maybe see the most generation of new customers coming from? Is just... Definitely. Yeah, you build it, will come. But if we build the service, then they'll they'll all be raving maniacs about what it is that we do. Yeah, and traditionally, they're reoccurring customers. So um, even if people do a one-time clean, they'll many times come back and either sign up 
or reoccurring service yeah. and we have no contract. So you kind of have nothing to lose, yeah. but, um, that's also how confident we are that people are going to love it. Mm-hmm. When we first started, it was contract, mm-hmm. but I mean, after several years of seeing that people just don't end their service, I'm like, why just no contract and there's nothing for people to lose that random person that may just hate it, which well, I don't think we've met them yet. Well, the, <laughs> yeah. the fact that your business is where it's at and not working under contract says a lot again about the service of the business. I mean, my wife works in the, the, the gym business, right? And they work under contract, but now they're moving away from that because they're seeing that demand of like, why do I want to sign up for six months, 12 months with you when I can go over here and get this for day to day, week to week, month to month, whatever. And so the lock in period of all of that stuff really for most businesses is something that's changing. And so now it becomes more important about your service as provided and your experience that you create for your customer if you're going to go away from that model has to be spot on all the time because you can lose a customer next week just like that they go you know what man i didn't get a good i didn't get a good week this week and y'all didn't say anything or you you know my my garbage can's a disaster and i'm out you know so what you do every day matters for every single customer to every single can all the way down you know to to that one individual Mm -hmm. and so providing that service for those individuals at that level then creates the raving fans and so the best way for most businesses to find themselves in a situation of referrals of um, you know in in even in the situation where i've got a neighbor that just says hey I, i had this done come check it out and I'm going, that's a thing? Like, you know, I didn't even know that was a thing, you know. So uh, most of it is just getting on somebody's radar, knowing that it's a thing, and then, you know, creating the, why do I need this thing? You know, why is this important in my life, right? And not just the fact that they're supporting a local business, but they're supporting a business where, again, we, we were talking about diversity when we sat down here, like, who are you supporting? You know, you're supporting two females in a business that serve their country, you know, that now have provided a service. Most people didn't know existed when they're out there and you're just good people in general. I mean, but then when we sat down at the table here and we talked about the best advertising that most people think they get is they get on KBTX or they get on, you know, a quick little news channel, but then you never really get to know who it is that runs those businesses or how that business generates. We're going on an hour and 40 here and people have got to hear a lot about you in general, but they can walk away from this podcast and go, okay, I didn't realize that the sisters are also faith-based and that, you know, that plays a big role in where they're at. Now your friends know that your family knows that, but, and it's not necessarily, you know, some people don't want to build their business with that being the functioning thing. Like the first thing you see when you open the page is a big cross on there or something like that, you know, but it is a lot like I I view you guys kind of like as a Chick-fil-A, right? Like Chick-fil-A is not out there with a Bible and a cross on the front of them, but you know, everybody knows what they stand for. They know where their business model is at, but they pride themselves on providing a good product and great service right Right. so anybody and their grandma knows listen i'm gonna test y'all's theory here y'all tell me if i (laughs) y'all tell me if i'm wrong here because i know i'm gonna be right but let's 
Have you ever been out somewhere and you've just interacted with someone and you just kind of go, thank you. And their response is my pleasure. <laughs> right. You just yeah. know out of the gate. You're like, you worked at Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Didn't you? And they go, yep, sure did. Chick-fil-A was my first job. Yeah. But I, a lot of people don't know this and I've <laughs> never said it publicly. Oh, oh, here we go. It's also the only job I was fired from. <laughs> nice. nice. <laughs> from my youth pastor. <laughs> <laughs> who owned who owned the Chick-fil-A? <laughs> yeah. Nice. And we but Chick-fil-A just like, is awesome. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> it's funny. We we had them come and speak at one of our meetings one time when I was at Walmart, and one of the guys asked the question, they just said, So how do you get your people to say my pleasure all the time? And I swear the owner like cocked his head to the side and was like looking at him going, what do you mean? He goes, well, I mean, like we tell our employees, like, just say thank you or have a good day or something. And we struggle to get them to say that. He goes, no, I don't think you understand. Like, it's conditioned for employment for us. Like, it's like built into who we are. You don't, you don't get the option to not say it. And we're like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. Now I get it. But when it's culturally based in a company, then it just becomes second nature. And then what's funny is when people leave, that culture was so ingrained in them there that it becomes response mechanisms in their pre in their future jobs. And you just go, yeah. And that uh, we talked to one girl who said that and she's like, yeah, but I hadn't worked there in like 14 years, 14 years. And you're still saying my pleasure. And it's like, Oh, there's just some things that die hard about, um, you know, humble servitude and things like that. And I was saying that was in our mission statement. Um, when I signed, when I sign emails, it's humbly. Yeah. When a, clean our cans yeah that people know that you appreciate their business yes that you know we constantly tell them that too we constantly are telling our customers we appreciate you (laughs) we wouldn't be here if it weren't for you right and in a community as tight as bryan college station is it's the it's the community that can make or break a business right? right i mean when you when you appreciate the fact that people have choices that they can or can't you know reward or punish with the dollar like they can choose to take it somewhere else they can choose to keep it or they can choose to bless you with it right that most people miss that mark most people just assume like we had said earlier if you build it they'll come we built a lot of businesses in town that went under and people didn't come Mm -hmm. um but it's it's what is behind the dollar Man, this is everybody's going to want this. I've, I've never met a business person that goes, I'm going to try and open this and I hope it does really well. <laughs> I mean, they, they've convinced themselves in the process of building that business that this is a need, it's a want, everybody's going to love it, and they're going to love it because it's, it's what it is. But honestly, man, I've seen some business people that don't have any business being business people, you know, that are trying to run a business. And yeah, all that stuff mattered. I mean, it was good product you know it was things that people wanted Mm -hmm. but that final little piece of are you what people want yeah becomes that you know seal the deal stuff man like i mean i've not rat i'm not gonna rat any business (laughs) out but i let's let's say that a business started up several years ago a business started up here in town and it's pretty popular here in town but i was one of their first customers and i had a terrible experience and I tried to get a hold of the manager to tell them about that terrible experience and give that manager an opportunity to make it right. And that manager didn't, you know, basically just said, this is your fault. This ain't our fault. Wow. And then 
I, I gladly went and blessed him as his first review on his Facebook page. And still to this day, am I, I am his first review on that Facebook page. Not because I wanted something from him. I just wanted him to make the situation right of what happened. And to me, now I become his calling card with a lot. I know a lot of people and people who say, you know, I'm thinking about going, mm, no, don't go there. And it's not that his business is terrible. And it's not that what the service that he provides isn't great. It's who he is. I have a problem recommending the business because of who he is as the owner and how I didn't feel valued as the customer. Yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah, social media warrior and everything else after I'm over here, like blasting people, you know, <laughs> the, the difference being though, is I tried to go back to it and just explain my situation on it. And when we know that every single day, one customer can, can really make a difference one, yeah. you know, and we go one customer at a time, one job at a time, one result at a time. And, you know, as you guys do this week after week after week after week, customer after customer after customer, and you still can produce 5.0 ratings. I mean, that says a tremendous amount about your services, the business, but also how people view y'all as the owners in that business of what your expectation is. I mean, it's got to be scary. You bring somebody into the business. We were talking before we came on here and you were hiring somebody. It's got to be scary because you two know each other well. And you both know each other's positives and negatives and what makes me good and bad and what makes you good and bad. And we can mesh those together. And then bring somebody into that that you just, you've met for all of about 30 minutes on an interview. You've looked at what they've told you is on their application You've maybe done some due diligence to make sure they didn't make the front page of KBTX at any given point for a bad reason, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then you put some trust in the fact that you've made a good hire, but do they care? Do they resonate with the same expectation? It is really hard when it's your business to get other people you bring in to be as passionate about your business as you are. It All is. Right. We were very fortunate. We've had a couple of longtime employees, both with us about a year each mm-hmm. and they were consistent and did a great job and thanked us when they left. You yeah. know, I'm like that. That's very flattering yeah. to be an employer and the employee leaves saying, thank you so much. I enjoyed my time here. Like, man, you were cleaning trash cans. Right. That's right. Yeah. You enjoyed it. Well, and you know, and, uh, I feel like I have to brag on our, um, our customers again as well. Um, like I had a guy working with me on the truck and I loved it because they even got to know his name. You know, yeah. we they're like, hey, you know, and they waved him, you know, call him by name, mm-hmm. you know. And even in some of our reviews, you know, they're like, thank, thank you, Randall, or thank you, Joseph, yeah. you know, for doing a good job on our can. And, you know, I mean, that, I mean, that helps too, sure. you know, like it's all well and good that we tell them, you know, they're doing a good job when our customers are calling them out, you know, like. That re- that tells us we've got a good employee, and yeah. then that you know that makes helps. them feel good, right? And makes them want to. Well, and small business owners want to build a business that people want to stay at, right? I mean, it's not always going to be the case. If you're running fast food out there as a small business owner, it's tough to to say you're going to make a career here. Yeah. Um, but most, you know, if you're out there running a business and you have the opportunity to create a career for somebody, you want somebody to be able to call it a career as opposed to a job. And I've always, I've referenced that in the term of, you don't ever hear people say, I quit my career today, right? <laughs> and you hear people say, I quit my job today all the time, but you don't hear people say, I quit my career today. 
And so you try to create a place where you can build careers for people that see the long-term goal, but also are a part of your growth. Like they can say, man, I was there when we were just this, you know, and now we're this. Um, and there's a lot of people that are in those types of businesses, small businesses still, but that have been around for 30, 40 plus years. And, and people have said, you know, I was there from year one and I, I felt like family, you know, it didn't feel like a job. You know, I knew that what I was doing was important. Right. And again, kind of talking back to, to why do we create small businesses? Most, most small businesses aren't created to make people millionaires. You know, right. most small businesses are created to provide a service to a customer while giving you an opportunity to benefit from that on the backside. First out of the gate is financial, but most people probably benefit more on the personal side of that than any mm-hmm. financial amount that they can put into the bank. Right. And that's the great part of it is, is I always want somebody when they say our business name to light up and to go, Oh, I love that place. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that's the raving fans that you try to create every single round when you're when you're servicing those customers and doing the best that you can do. And then even that point where, you know, you reach a rock bottom point of just going, man, is this is this for me? Did I make a mistake? And you have that one, just the one, right? I mean, it doesn't have to be. Man, I really need on my route today, if you guys are listening, I need about 15 of y'all to come out with a sign and hold that and make me <laughs> make me know that I'm doing the right thing here. Just the one can make the difference, but it's, it's not found in the business vein of that. It's found in God coming forth and going, this is why. So when you were talking earlier about feeling pushed and I, man, I need you to show me something and everything else, it's okay, but you don't get to determine when I show that to you, (laughs) I'll get to determine that, you know, and the value that's put behind that effort. I mean, I have three family members that work here at, at the at the shop. Um, one of them being my partner, and uh, man, it's been some of the toughest times of working here, especially when I first started. To some of the most rewarding, uh, all across the board. And I mean, we're we're talking family members. I've known them since they were born. You know, um, and, and people tend to think that well, if you bring family members in, that makes things a lot easier, and that you know, they're they're you know. We can shut this thing down, go out back, fist fight real quick, and you know, end this thing, and then get back. And HR doesn't have to hear anything about this. You know, I mean, you know, we're going to take this to the bat, and then we'll figure it out. But I, I think what's happened is, is you know, you don't interact with those family members on a on a professional side that way through your life. You know, you've only known them as my my older sister, my baby sister, whatever my. Right. My aunt, my uncle, you know, they, they, you only know them from those avenues. And then when you get to see the business side of that step up, then it becomes, I, I think what I've learned in, in my years here is, is what can I take away from what it is that they bring? Still in the same deal. I, they'll be the first ones to tell you, man, that I think I probably knew it all when I came here. <laughs> and, and I brought corporate mentality into small business. And that was a struggle for a lot of people, including myself. Um, I learned how to notch it a little bit, you know, to, to not be quite as rigid because again, like it's like coming out of the military, right? Like everything's structured and rigid and everything. This is why we do this. And, you know, and then you're coming into an environment where structure is not at the top priority of the list, but you, you know, coming in, it needs to be in order for us to have growth and in order for us to be bigger and, 
you know, at some point when we're sitting here at this table, you know, we reference back to this at some point and go, yeah, remember when it was just us, you know, <laughs> now we got to send all those people to the HR department and, you know, <laughs> you got this whole big operation and building and, you know, remember when we had one truck and now we're up to a hundred and, you know, I mean, those are all things that in the beginning that as business owners, we start out, we have big dreams. We realize those dreams don't typically tend to materialize as fast as we'd like them to, or, you know, the P and L reflect the, the profitability that we had anticipated, even when we're pricing everything out, we got this much margin built into it and all of that stuff. So on the final side of this, and I'm going to give each of you an opportunity to, to put your input here. I'll start with the first question in starting the business. What's the one thing that you got out of the business that you didn't anticipate you were going to get like you started a business plan and everything else but what's the one thing that you got out of the business that you didn't see at the forefront um definitely the community connection okay um i i thought it was going to be very unpersonal mm. and more transactional not that i'm that person but i didn't know how it would be otherwise i mean it's just you pay us to clean your trash can we're not you don't have to be home you don't come to a building to sign up. You just sign up online. Right. But it it is very personal, and or, or that's the way we've made the company, and it's it's been fun. It's yeah. been fun just being so connected to the community. Katrina. Who? Um, I mean, everything from like personal growth. You know, like I I just. My sister had run a business before, so she knew that it was going to be hard work, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, I had no clue. (laughs) And I kind of had like a a glamorized view of what running a business would be. Um, But it was nothing like I expected. Um, But better in a lot of ways, you know. Like she said, the community... Uh, like has blown my mind, you know, in so many levels and just um, like it's been a struggle, but like a, a worthwhile struggle, mm-hmm. you know, like I don't know if I had known going in um, how hard it was going to be if I would have done it, but I am, I'm glad that I did, you know, that I had the opportunity and um, like the amazing people that I've been able to come in contact with you know the people who have who have helped us um in so many different ways you know like it's just um it's just more more than i could have imagined you know um owning a business Mm. and my parents owned a business when i was um in junior high and high school and you know i helped my dad there but i don't know it just we lived in a small town, you know, mm-hmm. so we kind of already knew everybody. It was already kind of like a family thing. So it was just different. And so um, I just, I didn't expect us to be as close to our customers as we are. You yeah. Know? So now let me ask that in reverse and talk about the one thing that came across that, you know, you didn't expect. What about the the struggle? What's the biggest struggle with running the business that you didn't see on the front side and going in that you battle today? Um, well, initially the biggest struggle was the education of it. People thought, 
you know, I would say trash can cleaning and they were like, um, okay. I mean, do you need my water hose to be out? You know, <laughs> yeah. like they thought yeah. I was going to bring a scrub brush and just literally just stand there and clean their trash can. Yeah. So there was a lot of education that had to go into it. And that was a little bit tedious and exhausting and seemed like a time waste, you yeah. know, it's like I could just be out doing this and I'm just having to explain myself over and over. But uh, there's not so much of that anymore. I mean, now right. more and more people actually Google. I was just fixing that. Will clean my trash do, can. Do you right. feel like the videos or the things that kind of took that need to do that? I guess off. Yes, yeah. um, social media and being able to just put explainers out there and things like that helped a lot. Yeah. So we did a tour through our building this week of some kids that you know came through as in part of an instructional based learning deal and. Uh, you know, I, I explained to them, I'm going to show you why a t-shirt is the price that it is. Right. And, and we talked about that as a business, like people go someplace like, gosh, dang, $20 for a t-shirt. What the heck? You know? And then we walk them through the process to show them from start to finish. And, you know, this, this little team of, of, uh, instructional kids got an opportunity to see it from, you know, start to finish literally in the screenshot, getting to see this thing, you know, from, from where we start it to where it finishes and, and the finished product. And even the teacher that was there was like, I had no idea. <laughs> and I had one of the kids. And so a couple of these kids are, you know, autistic. And so they have special talents of, you know, math is really good. So when I'm like naming off, I can watch one of the kids while I'm naming off, like how many people actually touch this order when you order it. The kid's like, boom, 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 like, you know, finger one, two, three, four, five. He gets up and I go, hey, and I can, I see what he's doing. I go, so how many people did you come up with? He goes, nine, <laughs> nine people. And I go, yeah. So just to get that shirt, you know, from order down to finished and back to the customers, nine people, right? He goes, yeah, that's a lot. But then they see the process of it getting made. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, there's a lot to doing that. Like people who look at it in a, in a Pinterest of somebody doing it in their garage or something, like that's one person, man, swipe, swipe, done, you're over with. And then get into the bigger parts of the business and really realize all that goes into it. Then people have a lot better understanding. So we've talked about like, making instructional videos of saying here's what your process looks like if you come in and order a shirt if you come in and order embroidery if you come in and order signs or whatever this is what it looks like for the educational purpose of it all right so i got i said i had one final question but i really got one more. <laughs> so we were talking about how small business owners they put their blood sweat and tears in these businesses uh, i mean it is for some people it is if I fail, I am done. Financially, I'm done. I lose my house. I mean, they, they got everything riding on it. And before we sat here at the table, we were talking about how some of those business owners put their identity into their business, right? Like, this is who I am. And the success of that business or the failure of that business kind of determines how they view themselves, maybe how they view their family, how they view you know, what did they do for their family or didn't do for their family. So today, and this is what we this is what we're going to end on. Just so you know, uh, so today, if I stripped your business away from you, you now no longer have the clean our cans, and it's just you. How do you identify yourself? In other words, who are you without the clean our cans? And so. I'll give each of y'all kind of an opportunity on that because I think it's easy for, like I said, for business owners, it's easy for us to say, I'm the owner of, right? I'm the, I'm the co-owner of this, you know I mean? So 
if we took that purpose away from you, took that title away from you, where do you sit? Where do you identify yourself? You know, um, a while back when I was still in my struggle, right, um, I was listening to a sermon and he was talking about how um, God often uses what we have in our hand, right? And, um, and I remember asking, like, what is it that I have in my hand, you know? And God's like, oh, your business, mm. you know? And so I see it as a tool, you know, something that God has used because I have it. Um, I've been able to even have some teens working with me in the summer, mm. do some mm. mentoring and stuff like that. Um, but I, I would not say I have my identity in being a business owner. Mm. You know, it is, it is a thing that I do and I am proud of it, mm-hmm. but it's not what makes me, me, yeah. you know? So what um, makes you, you? I find my identity in my faith, mm. you know, um, I am who God says I am. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I really feel like, um, like, should we lose the business? I'd be sad, but I, you know, I feel like we have seasons and it would just be the end of that season, mm. you know? Um, like I said, I'm, I'm grateful for our customers and, like, everything that has come out of it. We have been able to give back to the community, and um, I'm really thankful for that. Um, everything that we've been able to experience with the business Um, but it's, um, it's something that, like, I'm not, I'm, my life is not over if I do not have that, you know, I, I know that God will have something else for me if that ever comes, you know? The next door, right? Yeah. Edwina? Yeah, that's a great question because I'll, 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 I will honestly say that when I first, when we first started it it kind of was my identity Mm. because I had let my, I'd been a flight medic and a paramedic and I loved that. I was good at it. I knew how to do it well. I just had fun with it. Um, and I didn't really have that anymore. Mm. I wasn't that in that role. So I kind of let this consume me, but at the same time I was, I had a two year old and a four month old. And so I initially had a, a, a very, they were pulling at each other mm-hmm. and I was angry all the time because I couldn't focus hundred percent on the business, which was my identity. Right. Um, and I wasn't that normal woman who motherhood was my, ident- I was a good mom. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah. I was a yeah. loving and a good mom, yeah. but I just was never the girl who was like, I can't wait to be a mommy, you know? Right. So I love to work. I love to be creative. And, um, I feel like I was just stifled. Yeah. I was having to focus on motherhood. <laughs> that was where my mind was. Yeah. So I was angry. And when my husband pointed that out, I initially got mad, you know, mm-hmm. like, how dare you? Yeah. But then I realized, oh, he's, he's right. So I need to decide. So again, going back to faith, I just had to say, God, you know, take this anger away. And I want to focus on the kids because they won't be babies right. forever. So the business could be here forever. Maybe it won't be, but I have to, I got to chill. So I, I, and I still don't want to say my identity is just in being a mother because it's not that. It's, right. it's more of... It's multifaceted. Like right, like right now I'm painting. Mm-hmm. I mean, just... I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 
Now, so, you know, and, and that, that question kind of spurred from where we were talking about how business owners, you know, they, they intertwine those. And it's tough to unwind those once you start running, especially for a long period of time, or that you've invested everything that you have. And it's, it's success and failure is not an option. This has to work. And that pressure that you put on yourself of success, then it, it kind of on the backside works in ways that you don't see, whether that's through anger, lashing out, just, you know, I'm not present in moments, you know, because I'm thinking about the business all the time and I can't unwind at the end of that day and just let this go. So tomorrow's going to be a new day. The sun's going to rise. And, you know, when you're in those moments and you have that pressure on yourself for success and you define your success as, again, what is my business doing? What's the P&L look like? Am I floating it with money that I don't have anymore? Or is it floating me? And when we walk away from that, you know, it's always interesting when we talk about some of the greatest athletes, greatest business owners, and all of those things. You can, you can put all those people up. And we found it even in our own business, like where we lose a really good employee that we just sit there and go, oh my gosh, what are we going to do without this person? And I always reference to the point of saying, you know, before they were great and doing all of this other stuff and just knocking stuff out, most productive person we had, they weren't. They weren't here. They, there was day one. There was all that. So we built that person, right? And same deal. You, you look at professional athletes and owners of things and, and big businesses, Amazon's Jeff Bezos and everything. Before he was this, you know, I don't know what you refer to him as now. I don't know if he's a villain or a hero anymore, you know. <laughs> but, but before he was that, he wasn't. You know, before Amazon was this, you know, worldwide phenomenon as a business, it wasn't. Uh, and you talk about how many years that business lost money before it got even profitable. And so the business owners that are out there that are struggling with that identity, identity being intertwined, it's important for you as a business owner to know who you are without your business and then build from that. But don't let the business become your identity it's just an extension of you. I mean, so if you say, you know, man, I'm a child of God and that's all that matters. It's kind of the same deal. Like if I put a hundred million dollars in the bank, I, I die. I don't get to go to heaven and go, Hey, did you see God? I made a hundred million dollars out there. I did pretty good, you know, and that's not what we're called to do as Christians. It's not what we're called to do in being here. I don't ever view, I viewed Walmart, I viewed Hobby Lobby and I I view this business as well too as being an extension of a purpose, but a purpose bigger than just what says on the outside of the door and what says on the bottom of the P&L. It's the purpose of being able to impact people's lives positively. You know, Walmart used to come out and I don't even know they use the saying anymore. I've been gone for 10 years, but it used to say uh, saving people money so they can live better. All right. Um, and that wasn't always their driven focus. That wasn't always the slogan that was used and everything else. But I thought, man, if I get up in the morning and I realize, you know, I'm not at Walmart because Walmart gave me an opportunity to make more money than I'd ever made in my life, not having any kind of really formal education. And I just kind of learned the, the ropes and did it. It was if I get up in the morning and know that I'm making an impact in somebody's life, whether that's my customer 
or whether that's my employees, that if somebody's got something going on that I'm big enough and smart enough to say, listen, you know, I'm really busy. I know you need a minute of my time. Let's take a minute of my time. Let's don't let the business dictate missing the important key events that are going on. You know, whether that's the relationships you build within the organization, whether that's with the relationships you build within your customers and that come to that organization. Uh, but ultimately, we're all in business to create an experience, right? And the experience for us has to be driven in what we deem to be important. If you drive your experience at the importance of money, you will never create a personalized experience with somebody who views you as something bigger than the business. They just view you as a part of the business. So then when you get seen, you're like, oh, you're that M&M guy, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, not the, oh, hey, wait a minute. You're the guy that did this for this person or I heard you, you know, loan this person money or you help this person out. I mean, those are the things that everybody wants to be known for because businesses, again, they transfer hands, whether you sell it off uh, or whether it maybe gets passed down to the next generation. They come and go, they open and they close every single day as a part of what it is that we do, you know, but at the end of it, if the business shuts down and we no longer are business owners in here, we still wake up and we're still a child of God. We still have another day to make an impact on somebody else, no matter whether the business is there for or not for us. You know, I mean, we can still interact with neighbors, with friends, with family. And when we can realize that our value is well above any P&L line on a business that we run, then we understand and start seeing the importance of what it is that we really do each day. You know, when we get up, the purpose looks different. The resolution to that purpose looks different. Like when I get up and I say, I don't make these podcasts religious and everything else. And if they go that way, sorry, you know, I mean, uh, but the reality of that is, is do I want somebody that is out in the community to view me as a villain do I want them to see me as somebody of value that is adding purpose to their community that they send their kids to school in that they, you know that they call home that we feel at home because of what it is that we pour into the community and what we do and you know those are hard there's they're hard day-to-day things to see because a lot of the times we just see the task we just see the I gotta go open the doors and it's like, you know, Bill Murray and Groundhog Day. Like, we're going to do this thing again, right? It didn't change. It's just the day. And when we can see the purpose outside of, of just the task and the organization and what it is, when we can build off of that by stripping away the business, living in our identity first, and then building the business off of who we know we are, then we're grounded for success, you know? And so... That's what I really hope that small businesses that are in our community that are struggling today or that are still trying to recover or, or you know, I mean, they're, they're constantly seeing their account dwindling and not knowing where the bottom of that is or not knowing when the end is going to come. You know, I, I think it's valuable to do two things in this deal is number one, you know, if it fails, it can always be a success somewhere else. It may fail in this moment. It may be in this deal right here that we can't save this, 
but it might look, pop up and look like something else. You know, I, I look at uh, one that I'd use in town would be uh, Mad Taco, right? Mm-hmm. So Mad Taco over there, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've watched him pop up on that page. And, you know, he's like, listen, I really need help. I mean, he's been very transparent through the whole COVID-19 deal. But what happens is, is, you know, over here off of Texas, he takes that one and revamps it into something that didn't exist. But he knew, like, I can't keep doing this. But I also know at the end of the day, I'm going to try this. It's going to work. It's not going to work. But hopefully I've built enough of a relationship with the community and who they know who I am that they'll come and support that. Right. And that's really what you ladies are doing. Uh, I mean, when it comes down to it, your business is not supported by the trash can need, <laughs> uh, even though it may feel that way from day to day. It's supported in the idea of who's behind the idea. You know, who's behind the business and people come to support good people in their community when they know that their heart's in the right place and they know that they carry value in that community that they call home, that they're not just, they're not the, they're not the suck, you know, they're not on the man, you're just here for the ride. You know, I mean, they're there for the purpose of being able to pay back and pour back into the place that they call home and into the place that, that is going to be the nest for that baby that they put into the into the nest to nurture, right? And your people then step forward to help reward you for that. And so whether that's business, whether that's personally, you know, we get what we put into it, right? And God always sees to it. You know, if you negate the calling, if you negate what you're what you're made to be, and you keep ignoring and turning that little voice off that tells you it's time for you to leave. It's time for you to come over here. It's time for you to push in this role. The more you push away from that, I am firm believer that the worse God continues to let you struggle, right? Like, man, if you think it's bad right now, keep denying this. And I'm going to show you how bad it's really going to get. And until you realize that, that, I didn't put you on this earth to be a business owner. I put you on this earth to make a difference in people's lives. Right. right? And that's, you know, being the business owner again is just an extension of, of what we do to serve. Right. And that's what it all comes back around to. So we sit people at this table and we have podcasts with them. It's all about what we do to serve. Right. And so you ladies are, are a great commitment to that. I love your stories. Love where you guys have come from. I love the fact that, you know, people know who you are in the community and, and that's, that's shown by the outreach of what you guys put back in. And then even in time of need, what comes back to you on the backside of that. And so we're grateful that you guys spent the time to come in and talk to us today. I love hearing your story. Sorry. I didn't put any tissue on the table for us today. Uh, I really am grateful to call you guys business partners here in town, but more so to call you friends here in the Bryan College Station area. And much like I've told many other business owners that have sat here, there is not another place I would want to run a business. I mean, Bryan College Station is an awesome, awesome place to be. And there are so many great people here that continue to support those local businesses. And we just ask them, you know, to keep your money here, you know, support the people that make the difference in your community. And so you know, providing jobs, providing services, and doing all of those things are key critical for our recovery 
here within the Bryan College Station area. And while it looks murky and there's things that we don't know how things are going to end up washing out in the long run, and while I hate this statement and I've never ended a show saying this, we are all in this together. I used to hate that. <laughs> I, I really do hate that saying. You know, but we're in this together because as a community, we'll make it or we won't, right? right? And there's people in this community that will refuse to see people fail. And they'll refuse to see good people fail. So even if this business goes under, there will be somebody there to go, hey, you know, I know you had to close your business, but I've got an opportunity for you, <laughs> right? Or I know this is what you wanted to do, but how about if we did this? I just, I just heard a story yesterday of one of our good friends that has had a business here in town for a really long time, and he landed another job, and I didn't even realize it. Like, I won't say who you are, and if you're listening, you probably know who you are, you know, but thanks for the heads up that you changed jobs, you know? I mean, the, but it was the relationships that he built that gave him an opportunity to be able to try his hand at something else and just say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to put this off. Not necessarily. I'm going to close it and never do it again because it is a skill set that can probably be utilized at any given point. But it's this idea of going, this is a chapter that I didn't think was going to happen that I never saw myself doing and a luxury that's that I don't know that I can pass up on. I need to see if this is what I'm being called to do. And so, but again, I'm just so grateful you ladies are here, you know, again, clean our cans. You can find these guys at cleanarcans.com. You can reach them at 979-703-5554. Pick up the phone, give these ladies a call, let them show you why. 5.5 out of, I keep wanting to say (laughs) 5.5, five out of five ratings. And we're not talking about, you're not going to go to their Facebook page and see three reviews. I mean, you're, you're seeing customer after customer after customer taking the time, going back in there. And these aren't ones where you're going, hey, if you give me a review, we'll give you a free you know, can cleaning. Yeah, we don't do that. Or we'll put your favorite thing inside of the can that we just cleaned or whatever. <laughs> I mean, these are, these are organic, general customers that, that do business with you guys and love the product that they get on the backside and the service that they get from you ladies. So... Again, it just speaks to what your expectations are and what you want to see from your business here in the Bryan College Station area. We need more businesses like y'all's here because it makes us better as a community and it gives an opportunity for people to get to know great people that are running great businesses here in town that can then go out, brainstorm with you guys, feel good about, you know, hey, listen, if these ladies can do it, I bet I could do it. Somebody that's sitting there in their home going, I've been doing this just kind of on the side and it's not really a business, but then they're just kind of toeing the water on it. And then they see somebody that's successful and they go, okay, fine, I'll do it. You know, and they jump out there and try to make something good out of it. We need those businesses. We need those ideas continuing to generate. And it is what makes us Brian College Station area. It is what makes us who we are. So I'm so I'm so grateful to be in this part of this community and that you ladies are a part of that community that helps support everybody and gives back into the community. Anything that you guys need, please let us know. We're just, again, so grateful that you're here. And, and we I'll continue to pray that God's going to bless you guys and that we're going to work through all of the struggles and the pains of everything some days <laughs> that we, we wake up as small business owners on and that we just look back on this and just say, man, remember when? And then you just look, you look ahead to a future that 
none of us probably will ever be able to rationalize until this is all said and done. We feel like, oh, you had me the whole time, didn't you? I knew you were there for me. So, <laughs> But you. ladies, again, thank you so much for coming, Edwina. Katrina, thank you so much for being here today. And uh, we look forward to talking to you guys again. Thank you very much for listening to our story. Thanks. You guys have a great day. Bye. Thank you.